Around Comics, Episode 20. From Chicago, this is Around Comics, a weekly roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the producer of the show, Brian Salazar. Hello, everyone. And as always, our longtime Around Comics contributor, Mr. Tom Caters, is here also. Hello, everyone. And our guest this week is the writer of the upcoming series, Casanova. He will also be at the helm for Marvel's relaunch of Punisher War Journal. He is Matt Fraction. Hi. <laughs> Matt, welcome to the show, and thank you for being on Around Comics. Thank you for having me. How's it going? Uh, it's going very well. It's a, it's a beautiful Friday night in Chicago. You know, the birds are chirping. <laughs> no, no we're sitting to... inside talking about comics. Hey. Yeah. No <laughs> better way to spend it than around old books. <laughs> uh, I want to remind everyone that Around Comics is recorded every Friday from 7 to 9 at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you are in the area, please come by and introduce yourself. We would love to meet you. Dark Tower is now offering a 20% discount on everything in the store during our show recordings. Just mention Around Comics when you check out and you'll get 20% off. It's that easy. Uh, today we want to talk with Matt about a variety of things, including the differences of writing for his creator-owned projects and the company-owned properties that he's working on. But before we dive into that topic, uh, we want to spend a couple minutes getting to know Matt. So uh, we'll start out. Matt, introduce yourself and uh, tell us how you got into comics. Uh, Matt Fraction, 30 years old, Kansas City, Missouri, planet Earth. Uh, hi, Mom. Um, how did I get into comics? I was a loudmouth on the Internet. Um, and I started, uh, poking around a couple of different message boards and, uh, just kind of writing my ass off, uh, and somehow was able to kind of turn one into the other, like, uh, uh, the writing about comics and sort of being around these people led to, uh, attention and exposure and people willing to take, uh, chances, uh, on me and, uh, yeah, I started off, with, um, Writing about monkeys. <laughs> well, Tom, you should like that. <laughs> Tom's a huge fan of anything monkey. Yes, well, <laughs> I did a I did a a book um, with Andy Kuhn called uh, Mantooth um, that ran uh, actually with Robert Kirkman's uh, uh, Funkatron uh, Press uh, in a book called Double uh, Double Impact, mm -hmm. Double Something. It was two somethings that were very exciting. <laughs> uh, and Joe Casey and Charlie Adler's uh, Code Flesh was in the other half. Uh, it was later collected as the annotated Mantooth from AIT Planet Lair. Those Planet Lair guys, they they love monkeys. Yeah, there was you a see Skype. Skype was planetary, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? Um, now, you started out, you, you were talking about um, writing uh, about comics. Was that the uh, the basement tapes on CBR that you and Joe Casey were working on? No, Is... Even before that was sort of the... Uh, comic proto-blog savant um, that I helped start with a couple of other guys. Um, and that kind of spun out of the original Warren Ellis forum on Delphi. Uh, the infamous Warren Ellis forum. Yeah, yeah. It is... And that led to a, a, a CBR column called Pop Life, which is probably the most ill-conceived column of all time. <laughs> and, uh, then I actually kind of had more books out and about. And, and uh, then, then started Basement Tapes. I actually just 
uh, after stuff was existing, which was nice. So what was your first published comic work? Uh, it was a uh, Mantooth Man- and Man-tooth. Double, double, double comic. <laughs> double comic. Double, double good. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned you know Warren Ellis a minute ago. Uh, yeah. It seems like everywhere we look, Warren Ellis is talking about this Matt Fraction cat who's going to you know come in and save comics. What's uh, what's your relationship like with Warren Ellis? Uh, I am not Warren Ellis, first and foremost. <laughs> a lot, which I've which I've actually I've read people who suspect that. Um, uh, what's it called? Sock puppet, uh, where somebody on the internet pretends there's somebody else to say things. <laughs> I, I am. I am not a sock puppet. Well, you have to admit, with a name like Matt Fraction, that does almost sound made up. Yeah. No. Oh, it's totally made up. I mean, it's a. <laughs> it's a We're gonna have uh, to ditch all our Warren Ellis questions, thinking that we can expose Uh-oh. you. <laughs> that careful, you're angering my hounds. Uh oh. Yeah. Yeah. Warren, um, I mean Matt is gonna <laughs> sick his dogs on us. Uh. Yeah. No. Um. Just, what was the question? Oh, Tom wants Man-tooth to know all about the monkeys. To a, to a graphic novel called Last of the Independents that Kieran Dwyer drew. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very awesome. Warren and uh, Warren, I don't, uh, uh, that was the question. It was about Warren. Um, <laughs> yeah, no pressure, right? No, no, no <laughs> don't worry about script. Um, Warren saying good things about you doesn't in any way build expectations in people's minds. Now. Yeah, you how can, crazy uh, is that? You know, it's you talk about like one guy in the industry right now that's really respected as a writer and says, you know, this kid is good. It's you know, it's like Jimi Hendrix saying, yeah, this cat over here can play guitar. You got to check him out. You know? Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's it's. Uh, inc- I mean, first off, I love the guy's work. So, I mean, it's it's extraordinarily flattering. Um. He's been incredibly kind, and, and he's really funny, so he's just, you know, it's nice to not have drama on the internet and just sort of make each other laugh over stupid shit. And he's he's internet Jesus, so. <laughs> yeah, he's apparently internet Jesus, yeah. Uh, well, Matt, we've, we've all read the advanced copy of Casanova, and everybody on the panel here absolutely loved it. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Casanova, because... Honestly, after reading it, I can't begin to tell people what this book is about. Yeah, I, I, I know I, I like it. I, always, I just don't know what it is. <laughs> I always felt like if I could get you through the first issue, you were on the team. You know what I mean? It's it's, but it's kind of a nightmare explaining everything that happens in those in those first few pages. Like, but if you make it through all the way through, I think you know what the book is about. But getting there is 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 a problem. Uh, Casanova is a science fiction uh, super spy epic. Um, about a young uh, a gentleman named Casanova Quinn who is a, a man of leisure and uh, art forgery and uh, burglary and things like that. Um, his father, Cornelius Quinn, uh, is the director of a international law enforcement division called Empire. His twin sister, Zephyr, is uh, the star agent and... Um, then a lot of things happen in a very short period of time that sees Cass uh, blackmailed into joining Empire as a double agent and sort of betraying his father. Now, you obviously have a lot of influences in this book. Uh, you know, the few that I picked up, uh, you know, of the many that I'm sure are in there, um, you know, stuff like uh, Our Man Flint and... and um, uh, Which I, I actually only just saw that very recently, like really more recently than people think. Yeah, yeah. I just that was just one of those blind spots I had for a long time. That's funny because I, I would have thought for sure that that would have played part of of uh, your 
the, cam- of the, the camping. Yeah. 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 No, and I and I've only ever seen one episode of the Avengers. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, yeah. And where are you pulling this from exactly? Oh, heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I, I described this book as Austin Powers meets Jacob's Ladder. It was. <laughs> Mind-bending. It was it was fun and exciting and just mind bending, like Tom said. And awesome. you guys are like the first people I've talked to that uh, uh, have kind of that have read it that like I that aren't like my friends or you know my wife. So, oh nice. Uh, there, thank you very much. There's a scene in in the book where Cass is at a, a funeral, and yeah. all of the the speech balloons are empty and. Yeah. It was probably the most powerful non-dialogue scene I've ever seen. It, it oh, was, it, it was you. You knew that you know. It just, it just told you right there that these people are are screaming and arguing, and everything that they're saying means absolutely nothing. And there was no better way to show that than just having these word balloons with nothing in them. And I, oh. that was brilliant. So thank you very much. Thank it, you. Was that your idea or the? That, yeah, no, that was a. Um... <coughs> You know, there, there. Yeah, I, I wrote a book, um, this uh, Thirty Days of Night book uh, mm-hmm. called Juarez that Ben Templesmith did. Um, and and it was this kind of very elaborate crime story, um, very sort of big sleep esque. And I had to write a scene about two guys talking about coming up with the idea of pulling off a kidnapping, you know. Um, and it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever written. And coming from a guy that's written about talking monkeys, that says something. <laughs> Don't sell that um, short, though. <laughs> uh, I, no, I'm just, you know, in terms of, if, if that's tipping my ridiculous uh, sensor, then it's pretty ridiculous. It, uh, um, so I, I just cut the scene out. Uh, and, and it worked, I thought, really well. Um, and it was just one of those things where... Y- you believe in the intelligence of your audience and you believe that they're going to come along with you. And, and as a reader, I love putting things together instead of everything being spoon fed. And when you see these two guys grabbing a girl, you're going to know that's the discussion they had. Well, that was sort of what I was, you know, so impressed with is so many books today. You see it, everything spelled out for you and, and writers afraid to challenge the readers. And was there ever a point where you were thinking, you, you know, this is too much for people to handle, or or. Oh no, I, I'm I'm sort of all about like no passive consumption. You know, I just I I, I believe that comic readers are of uh, above average intelligence and uh, want to be rewarded for that instead of being spoon fed everything. You know. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of comics, especially mainstream comics, fall in between being really simple and fun and being complicated and challenging and they fall into the most boring realm that you can be in like it's not either it's just sort of there yeah i mean i think this is like with something like casanova it's the kind of thing like if you if you take the ride you know if 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 we can earn your trust and kind of entertain you and you come along with us then ultimately a lot of these kind of there's even a line at the end that sort of is kind of the get out of jail free card where where he's like, yeah, well, none of this makes sense to me either, and, and I'm just going to go along with it. And that's what you do. You go along with it, like, you know, and, and hopefully you, c- you come through on the other side. And like I said, if you're with me on the last page, I think I think it's the start of a beautiful friendship. Well, you got three friends here. That's, right on. Uh, we, uh, the, probably one of the, the biggest compliments I can pay to any book these days is that whenever I finish reading it, if I immediately have to go back and read it again to get it, 
and oh, really awesome. enjoy it. There, there's been probably three books this year I've been able to do that with, and that's uh, Brian Wood's Local, number one, which I thought was just brilliant. Um, Charlie Houston's uh, Moon Knight number one, which was a much better read the second time around, and Casanova. So those wow. are three that's of my a, That's a heavy ones. company. Thank you. Uh, the biggest compliment <laughs> I can pay is that at the end where you have your little your, your thing about Phil Spector, where you kind of talk about that influence, it was yeah. actually the first time anyone's ever written anything at the end of a comic book like that that actually made more sense made the book make more sense to me, you know? Oh, awesome. Yeah, because yeah. after I read the Phil Spector thing, I was like, oh, you know, the, I, I exactly get it now because it sort of works that same way where you can take any piece of it and enjoy, you know, just that section of the story. Yeah. But I on mean, the this, whole, it's a, you know, it works also. Thank you. I mean, there, I was a big part of this was, like, it's my first ongoing series, and I... I'm not so far away from the time in my life when like two dollars was kind of a big deal, <laughs> um, and I don't know. I just feel like we got to earn every penny, and we got to earn every reader, and we got to earn every page flip, you know. Um, and so, I just I, I, that, that's a, that's such a thing. I, when when you finish a book and you immediately have to read it, or you find yourself thinking about it days later, I, I, that's 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 when you know you you, you know you someone's really connected with you. So you guys are saying this. Uh, means the world to me, so thanks. Um, and yeah, 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 mission accomplished. You're listening to Around Comics. It's like talking to your best friend's sister, and she's hot. Well, you know, speaking of the of the two bucks thing, that's another thing about Casanova and another connection to Warren Ellis here, is that yeah. it, it's in what we've started to call the fell format. It's 16 right. pages. I believe Image is mm-hmm. calling the slimline format. <laughs> A slim line. Okay, it's you know what? Why was why did you decide to have Casanova be in that format, and or was that something that Image approached you about? Uh, it it, it uh, there's there's two different reasons. One is um, it sounded fun, and I'll get back to that in a second. And the other is is wanting to earn everything, uh, and parting part of that is uh, minimizing risk for all parties. Uh, for Image, uh, for Gabriel Ba, my collaborator, for readers, for everyone, it's two bucks or 16 pages. It's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of money. You know, um, if if the series completely implodes, Image is out thousands and thousands of dollars on a four dollar book that nobody bought. You know, right? Um, so I wanted to I wanted to ask them. I, I feel like. I'm a complete idiot most times, and anytime anyone wants to publish something I write, I, I feel like it's a like it's a joke or something. <laughs> like I want to make sure that okay, well, since you want to take this chance on me, I want to do everything I can to to minimize your risk and maximize your return. So it was as low risk a way to dip my toe into the water of a monthly ongoing as possible. Um, and it sounded fun uh, when when Ellis was putting Fell together. I was doing. Um, uh, an ultimate. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, X Men Unlimited story. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was sort of Wolverine remembering all the different ways that he's he's been killed, but he's never really died. <laughs> uh, so like the like the whole story is about that's that's sort of the it separates Wolverine from you know the rest of humanity. The one thing that unites all of us is the one thing that keeps him separate. Uh, and I just kind of made all this crazy stuff up. Um, and then I got the note from editorial that I needed to refer page and panel to everything to make to make it all continuity tight, you know. So as Alice is telling me about like, as, as, as the idea for fellas coming together, 
um, I was reading all of these uh, essential X-Men trades. Um, and all like the kind of classic Claremont run of that book are like 16, 17, 18 pages long. Mm -hmm. uh, which I kind of forgot. Like, uh, it, they all seem longer, don't they? Like when you remember like the Dark Phoenix books? Oh, sure. You, you feel like that's a little novella. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, those were like 18-page comics. Uh, it's um, a, one of the things... Um, Ellis actually went on about this in his last issue of Fell, and you know, talking like you did about um, Phil Spector at the end of Casanova, he talked about Will Eisner and yeah. what he could get into a story that just stuck with you in a small format. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's not. It's I don't think it's a limitation. Um, and, and I kind of welcome the challenge. And, you know, I have a day job, too. I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to screw uh, retailers or readers over by not being able to deliver, and I, I felt pretty confident that I could nail 16 pages a month. There's um, a lot in those 16 pages, man. Yeah, it's, an, it's actually, it's sort of, the it, that's kind of backfired because it's actually more like 48 pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I certainly, when I read it, it, it didn't seem like, well, it was 32 pages. This first one was, but even so, yeah. there was so much in it that... Uh, like, I think all three of us actually had to go back and read it at least one more time yeah. just to, to, to follow everything and, and try and soak it all in because it was so dense of a work. I tell you, we, we've been kissing your butt so much. Um, let's kiss the butt of the artist because that was another thing that I loved about the, the book. So Gabriel Ba is going to explode. You heard it here first. <laughs> Write the date and time down. Put $20 on the table. Uh, he's amazing. Is he not? Oh, <laughs> it's uh, for, for folks that haven't seen any of the preview pages, the line work that is done in this is it's kinetic and it's it's gorgeous. And it's a it's a two color book that you never even think about being a two color book. It's uh, black and, and green, which yeah. works so good for the surreal atmosphere of it. D did he do his own coloring on the book? Yeah, he did, yeah. Okay, you could tell that that was just the vision that he had. And, yeah, I, I thought it was just a, a wonderfully um, laid-out book. It, you, you. You just get wrapped up in this whole surreal um, atmosphere that it creates. So, you know, and yeah, the cover, the cover's great. I want a poster of that cover, man. Uh, this should be uh, coming to shops next week. Great, well, we'll get one up in here. Yeah, check your, uh, check your box from Diamond. I thought, you know, one of the most interesting things in, in the artwork was that in some of the places where you sort of experimented with the frame, and you're using an eight-page grid, or I mean an eight-panel grid, yeah, but roughly, you, yeah. you didn't, I mean, you didn't really necessarily stick with that throughout the entire book, like, you know, literally like, like Warren does with, with Fell, you yeah. really took some chances and played with a lot of things, and, and I especially like the little, you know, talking heads giving you... A different perspective yeah, on the I story. Yeah, I saw from old like romance comics. Really? Yeah, it's like old like Alex Toth romance comics. There'd be like a like a drawing of like Betty Sue and Tommy sipping a malt at the malt shop, and then in between two panels there'd be this like block of text and like Betty Sue's head at the bottom. Like after the malts, then we went out to <laughs> Handjob Point and. <laughs> Yeah, but this one, this one's the about the is, yeah. is handjob point. Yeah, but this one's like about the the night nurse talking about uh, the the suave Mr. Casanova. I love yeah. the one with the dunce hat later on, though. So thank you. <laughs> now was Casanova? Now, er, uh, actually, Eric Stevenson, the editorial director of Image Comics, makes an appearance in a narrative uh, panel in Casanova Two. Oh, all right, nice. So I now own the copyright on Eric Stevenson. You, I, I I own my own boss. Are you are you breaking <laughs> the fourth the fourth wall there with that, or is he? Uh, well, yeah, guess, yeah. The, 
the line is like Cass says something like, "Well, everybody was convinced I wasn't a, a trans-dimensional assassin here to undo them from within, so everything was great." And then Eric is saying, "Don't forget, he's a trans-dimensional assassin here to undo everything." <laughs> nice. So it's the old like Stanley like you know editorial voice. I love. Well, I tell you, we're going to move on from Casanova. If the if the listeners out there haven't been enticed enough to to pick this book up by now, after what we've talked about, then they're never going to be. So you know, I'll just I'll, I'll plead with everyone: don't let this book get by you. It is really good. So oh, thank um, you. It's uh, let's move on to one of your other creator-owned works, and that is Five Fists of Science. The Five Fists of Science. <laughs> you have to bellow it. Bellow it really loud. <laughs> Sal's a much better bellower than I am. Not today. So. I got a cold. And, and actually, Sal is the only one that has. Uh, at, Tom, have you read any of this? Uh, no, but I know what it's about. Oh, okay. I'm I'm the only one on the panel that hasn't even looked at this. So Sal keeps telling me that's really cool. So you guys are gonna have to tell me about it. Uh, okay. So here's what you need to know about the five fifths of science. It is a 100 percent true story. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, it stars Mark Twain and Nikola Tesla, uh, who were very close friends. Uh, in in truth, uh, that that is a tr- that's true. Um, and it's about their plan to bring about world peace. Um, this involves uh, Twain's marketing and selling a weapon of Tesla's invention, that is so terrible. Um, if I had one and Sal had one and Chris had one, we would never do anything so crazy as start a war because it would end the world. Um, Twain, in, in effect, had created what we understand as detente, um, but this was in 1899. Um, and they set about uh, trying to sell world peace to, uh, to the leaders of the free world. Um, the problem with that plan is that there's a uh, sort of evil... Of, of industrialists and magicians that are uh, trying to bring about the apocalypse on their own timetable and don't appreciate any meddling. Um, and, uh, and they fight, and it's totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> My sales pitch kind of peters out there at the end. Yeah. No, uh, well, um, uh, Casanova's coming out from Image. Who is publishing? Uh, also from Image. Also from Image. Okay. May 31st, in stores. May 31st, it's a uh, hundred and... Uh, 12 pages, uh, full, beautiful color, uh, art by Mr. Steven Sanders, um, who is a god unto men, and it's for like twelve ninety five. Awesome. It's yeah. a, you know, the, the, throughout the entire book, you know, especially in the, in the very beginning, they, he, they set you up, you know, he sets you up with the whole thing, making you think that this is all true, but not letting you know how much really isn't and how much is. So I have no idea. I mean, it, 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 it's so plausible. A lot of it seems very plausible. But, but then mm-hmm. every time you read something, you know, in, in the very beginning, he gave sort of uh, character descriptions of all the characters right. in the book. And he just completely, you know, told you everything that they did was wrong and, <laughs> and, and a lie. But then the next page you have, you know. Thomas Edison or someone, you know, telling you that everything in the book is true. So, well, Mark- but, uh, but I mean, it, it's kind of, I mean, it, 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 everything, okay, when the giant robot shows up, <laughs> we're clearly in the realm of the fictional. Clearly not. But the book opens up with an essay, I swear to God, written by Nikola Tesla talking about the future of yeah. being fought by automatons. Well, 
I'm such a sucker for that type of stuff because I think, especially in modern society, people have such little actual knowledge of what people like Mark Twain were like or people sure. like Tesla were like that these books do a really interesting thing and sort of you can get away with tricking people far more nowadays with stuff like that than yeah. I, I mean, think but, you could in the past. And but it, really, the, the trick really kind of ends when the giant robot actually shows up. <laughs> I bought it all. I mean, all. the Nazis uh, had robots. Mor- Morgan and Edison <laughs> screwed Tesla out of billions of dollars. <clears throat> billions. Oh, sure. Uh, Edison waged a, a, a war of slander against Tesla his entire career. Um, Twain really was in Europe, really was mixed up with the armistice movement, and really was a, a good friend of Tesla. I have a photograph of Twain in Tesla's lab, I can show you guys. And um, I love their unplugged Tesla credited album. Mark Twain with Twain. saving his life. Um, really? Tesla wanted to build robots to fight war, and Mark Twain wanted to end it. Mark Twain called it peace by compulsion. <laughs> um, so they had this plan. This was their actual idea. Um, How did you find... Just, I mean, what got you interested in those characters enough to, to research this and come up with this story? I... Uh, this is going to sound this it, it it was um it was totally magic um i was l- uh, looking up the etymology of the line um thunder's great but lightning gets the job done <laughs> uh and it was mark twain um and in the finding of this i found that in connection with an essay about twain and tesla's relationship and the minute i found out that twain and tesla were friends I said, they fight crime, <laughs> you know, uh, they save the world. This summer, you can't spell action without T and T, and, you like know, it just, it became, it, it, the whole story fell together in my head. Well, Tesla's certainly, certainly a character, I mean, some of the, the... I didn't make up any of the weird stuff about Tesla. I mean, some of his inventions and things that he was working on, and, and sort of the mystery that surrounds him, Yeah, it, you know, it, it's perfect for that sort of... Of, of telling because um, he could, you know, you're with a guy like that, you're not sure what is real or what isn't because the stuff that he did do is so fantastic. Well, and he, I mean, we would recognize him today as having obsessive compulsive disorder mm-hmm. and being um, probably as, having Asperger's syndrome or being a highly functional autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he never, I mean, he, he did towards the end of his life, but for the most part, he didn't write stuff down. He would build things literally in his head. And then be done with them. They would work in his head just fine, so he didn't have to build the physical thing. <laughs> so a lot of his inventions we can't replicate, or we don't know how to replicate because the plans don't exist. So he, he must have made a smaller version of that robot, right? I, <laughs> Your only you know, exaggeration is the size of it. When, well, when he died, the Pentagon seized all of his papers, and they are classified to this day. God, that is let just a... that blow you. <laughs> let let's let the listeners get up off the floor. <laughs> that um, so and you know and Tesla is the kind of guy who would mention in a letter. Oh yeah, so I invented a thing that was this weapon, but the military didn't want it because it's too scary. Anyway, <laughs> it's uh, called the teapot. You can well, listen to music <laughs> later. He, uh, I mean, he was talking about it having invented a death ray that would crack the world in half. Good lord. Well, so, 
know, that 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 is that is fertile ground for for a writer right there, or I, a I, podcast, I, or a podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's just Mark Twain and, and Nikola Tesla being buddies. Like that's just it has to. It's a story right there. That's just. What are they like in the room together? How do they eat together? What are they? What? It's just it's just too many questions, and, and it, the whole kind of thing that fell into my head kind of all at once. Well, and then as I started to do research, the story started to become true. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I made it up, and then it was all true. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I, I've gotten about halfway through the, the the copy of the preview you sent me, and, and and the only thing keeping me from reading the rest of it is I don't want to ruin it. Because I'm waiting for the trade, I, I, I've ordered the trade already, mm-hmm. and I want to have it in my hands because I'm I'm really enjoying it. But I'm like, I know I'm going to enjoy this even more when I sit there and, and yeah. page through it and, and and read it. Because like Tom, I'm I'm a sucker for for that kind of of, of storytelling and, and yeah. And I mean, and, I mean, you guys are are kind of hardcore like me. Like reading comics off a screen ain't the same thing. No. Yeah. Um, and I've been work. I mean, I've been waiting for this book for like three years. We started working on it three years ago. Uh, I swear to God, when I get like the copies from the printer next week, I, I think I'm probably gonna cry. I just, it's been like, <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine that's got to be. Uh, uh... It's it's actually been I think the closest thing to like giving birth I will ever know. <laughs> well, another thing you're working on, uh, which has been announced recently, is is you're going to be writing Punisher War Journal. I am going to be writing the shit out of Punisher War. Journal. <laughs> So you're going from Tesla and Twain to mm-hmm. Frank Castle. Not a big jump there. Yeah, no, totally same street, <laughs> different, uh, different address. Well, are you excited about? I mean, obviously. Oh yeah, you know, it's r- a blast. I mean, it, oh my god, that is such a high-profile book that you know, honestly, we're gonna buy stuff that says Matt Fraction on it now. But there are legions of people that you know, honestly don't care that you're writing it and yeah, it's going to yeah. be an added bonus, hopefully for them. You know, that's, that's a big charge taken on Punisher. Uh, dude, a uh, 12 year old me thinks I am the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you a fan of Punisher growing up? Yeah, it kind of, um, I really loved the, the Stephen Grant, Mike Zek book. I think like everybody. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then the kind of the, the, the ongoing that came out after that. And I actually got out of, uh, Punisher, during like the Jim Lee era on War Journal, like I remember the last like Punisher storyline I really loved was like that two part thing, like six Punisher War Journal, like six and seven. Yeah, it was either six or seven, or seven and seven and eight, maybe something like yeah. Yeah, right I, I there. I actually have I've I've stolen all the Punisher comics off of the internet and I have them on my computer. <laughs> I could look it up right now, but I don't want to wreck the precious <laughs> technology that's letting us communicate. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we actually um, um, I went. A, a friend of mine from a forum, you know, everybody has friends on forums now, who is a huge Punisher fan, and uh, he was kind enough to send in some questions for us. So these are from Jason in Seattle, Washington. We'll just start at the top here. Um, it says, I would like to know how long Matt is signed up to write it and far how far out he has Punisher War Journal planned at this point. Uh, as long as they'll have me and about the first... Not quite a year. Okay, so wow. about twelve issues or so. Yeah, the first three. Uh, I mean, I'll say as long as they'll have me. The the first mm-hmm. three are sort of a civil war um, related uh, story, and then there's sort of the follow up. So I've got like I guess through like nine or ten maybe in my head. Okay. Now, is your editor on that Axel Alonso? 
Yes, he is. Well, there, uh, do you ever listen to Word Balloon with uh, John Centris? I uh, downloaded it. Uh, I have it on my desktop, but I haven't listened to it. I, he just did a, a show with Axel, right? Yeah, and and uh, just warn you, Axel talks you up big. Oh, awesome! Because I totally don't need another guy in comics talking. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't. I don't think I have to. I have to rewind it in my head, but I don't think he actually named you by name. But he said something along the, the lines of the guy that we've got picked out to write Punisher War Journal is going to blow your flipping mind. I think it was something like that. So awesome! Uh, you should see the art. Holy crap! Yeah, Who, who's doing the art on that? I don't even know. Ariel Olivetti. Ariel. Oh. Uh, Ariel did um, the Space Ghost series that Joe Kelly wrote. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. I've seen that. yeah, that should be. Wow, that's going to be interesting. And we're like, we're taking it straight from his pencils. Uh, and then, um, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. Well, if you want someone to go on the internet and start bad mouthing you so expectations lower. <laughs> yeah, I just talk to lot, Tom. Yeah, I have a lot of free time and a, a lot of <laughs> vitriol, just like a dispute. Yeah, Not uh, about you, but I can adapt it. Uh, <laughs> Dean White, the guy that uh, that colors um, Black Panther, is doing the colors over Ariel's like pencil work, mm-hmm. and it's so gorgeous. Oh my god, it's uh, it's great. And yes, please talk as much crap about me on the internet as possible. <laughs> my my delicate little ego can definitely handle it. Well, I tell you, back to um, Axel Alonso for a second. That that was a really fun interview. To, to listen to, and when I was done, I was like, man, that is the guy that I want to work for. He sounds yeah. like a cool dude. Yeah, and it, it, Axel is kind of the guy behind the guy. Like, if you look at his career, like, the books he's worked on, the creators he's broken, I mean, it's... I, part of the reason that I wanted to do Punisher as badly as I did was a chance to work with Axel, um, to, to work with sort of, like, this amazing editor. Um, and it's been great so far. That's that is awesome. Well, next next from Jason is, um, um, and this probably goes right back to Axel Alonso. Was um, how was he selected to write the book? Uh, did Marvel come to you, or did you go to Marvel? Uh, Marvel came to me. Axel read uh, my first graphic novel, uh, which is called Last of the Independence. I mentioned it earlier. <coughs> Kieran Dwyer drew it. It's out from AIT Planet Lair, um, and it's a it's a crime comic. It's about a bank robbery. It's a uh, cowboys and gangsters going at it in the in the Nevada desert um, and uh, uh, he was a big fan and I did the X-Men and uh, X-Men Unlimited story out of his office with Warren Simons um, so we just been kind of talking on and off um, and when they decided uh, that it was time to to relaunch Punisher War Journal I was the guy he called and God uh, bless him for it awesome um... Next question, and this is one that, that you can't answer, and I actually don't want you to answer, but people are really concerned about it. So, is what side is Frank going to be on in Civil War? And he's not going to answer. Good guy. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> Silence. But it, people, people I, are, are very intrigued. Let, at, let, me, at, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, does Frank, Joyner, uh, Frank Castle strike you all as a joiner? <laughs> no. <laughs> Frank, Frank, the kind of guy that like wants to team up and have like talks and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go have coffee, Spidey. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think that's going to be interesting. So you say that the the first part of War Journal really is is centered around Civil War. Yeah, the, the first like uh, yeah yeah it's yeah Frank um, yeah I'm sorry I, I have to be kind of really careful. Um, sure. I kind of forget what people know and what people don't know, and there's a lot of stuff I'm. I'm not supposed to talk about, so <coughs> well, if it well, sounds well. like a cop-out, it totally is, um, <laughs> and I apologize, but uh, I, I don't want to 
Yes, the first we'll just, the first three are Civil War issues. Is we'll just, there? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Tom. Is there anything um, coming out of the the recent uh, developments from Daredevil? And I, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but um, that the Punisher is... stop pushing him towards the tar pit. Well, no, I'm just wondering <laughs> if you had if if that is going to lead into into the the War Journal series that you're doing it in any way, or is that not going to be a part of it at all? If 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 I told you that. Ed and I are friendly and talk on the phone from time to time. <laughs> you, you know, you, you might see something like that, but it's not a, there's nothing, um, it's, it, there's not a giant arrow. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like, it, no, not really, but sort of. Can you tell him to and, answer my emails, please? Ed Brubaker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you obviously, you see, we, we always talk about this because it's like Sal's crowning moment in comicsdom. Um, Actually, Sal, it, there was a character in Daredevil called C.O. Salazar for, like, two panels, and uh, Ed said he actually named him after Sal. So, oh, really? Yeah, so... I will, I can maybe continue. Uh, wait, did you, get, did you get killed? What happened? No, I'm just a prison guard. I don't, nothing yet. It was, he just talked to Matt Murdock at this point. So I'm hoping for him to be a reoccurring character, and I'd really like, you know, <laughs> maybe the Punisher to blow his head off or He'll something. He'll get would be tortured cool. for 12, one panel for yeah. 12 issues. They just slowly <laughs> watch him. Well, but if, if he's a guard, though, I mean, he's, he's on the side of angels in Frank's eyes, so you'll be safe. Yeah, true enough. Yeah, Bullseye's taking you out. <laughs> We're just gonna. It's so edit. weird. Like I'm, I'm calling a fictional character by his first fictional name. <laughs> like he's a friend of mine. Like we hang out and stuff. Hey, that's part. Of, that's part of why we do this is the connection with these characters. And it's, no, dude, it's, I, I did that like talking to Axel about. Um... Never mind. Oh come on! You <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't just can't do it. Edit whatever you say. All right, anyway. you, you two behave. I'm gonna go to the next question. So we'll we'll, we'll take him away from the fire here. Um, I I think that you can answer this one. Uh, will you be messing with Frank's origin or keeping current with the current with the Marvel Universe version? No, it's, I mean it's the Marvel Universe Frank. It's Frank Castle. Okay. And the last one from Jason here is, uh, um, did you and Garth Ennis have any conversations on what he could or couldn't do with Frank in War Journal? Uh, no, Garth and I haven't spoken okay. um, about that stuff at all. Are you, are you a fan um, of, of the Max series? I love it. Yeah. Holy crap. It is, <laughs> it is uh, like the blackest, strongest coffee in the world. Yeah, it's a... Um, I, I think it's amazing, and, and I didn't. I was so kind of flattered and excited that Axel um, approached me about War Journal that I didn't actually realize that our books were going to be running concurrently. Uh, I, and then I—that's what made me freak out. It wasn't the idea <laughs> of working for Marvel or the idea of writing Punisher. It was I'm writing the Punisher book while Garth is doing his Punisher book. Are are they tied together? Is is Max? Is <laughs> no, that no, out? No, no, you, no, you know, like Garth's book exists like in the quote real world unquote. Like they spell Rikers with an I over yeah. there. We spell it with a Y. You know what I mean? Like they're two different. It, it's out. It's out of regular Marvel continuity. Yeah, yeah. Garth's Garth's like little gnarly, evil cul-de-sac is his own um, to play with. You know what? What I love about it is that you that never gets spelled out for you. You always feel like Spider-Man may be swinging around a building, but it's it's totally a Punisher book. I've never. I just always imagine that like Spider Man would sing around like the corner of a building in in Garth's Max book and like see a a, a like a, a school child being raped and just like <laughs> break into tears and like be hit by a what truck. He's done with his life, just recoil in the, in the <coughs> utter horror that that book wallows in. 
Listen to AroundComics.com podcast, new, every Monday. For once, you won't be lying to your parents when you tell them you're not looking at porn. Well, since you've done, uh, you must have done your research for Punisher, I'm, I'm assuming that you said you, you downloaded all the... Uh, the... Uh, I haven't read them, but I, I, I have them in case somebody... I haven't, this is going to suck. This is no, no, this, we, this is, a, this is a, a tradition on Around Comics. We got to hit you with, uh, with, we did this with Phil Hester and Ant, uh, uh, Ant-Man, yeah. Ant-Man <laughs> trivia, and we're, we got to do uh, uh, Punisher trivia with you. So these are just a few questions, Punisher trivia, and they're all multiple choice, and I don't actually, because I got these off the internet, they may all be wrong, but we'll go anyway. Um, <laughs> all right, the first question I just, is. I just want to, I just, I just uh, when Future Me goes back and wonders where it went wrong, uh, Matt, it's right here where your Punisher cred went out the window. Okay, <laughs> Watch Warren Ellis is going to take away his golden touch once he hears Punisher trivia. How did he not know that? No research and fool. Everyone knows Frank had a rabbit when he was a child. <laughs> Don't give him the answers. All right. I love you, Bun Bun. <laughs> the first question is, in what comic did Punisher make his first appearance? Uh, it, was, it was Amazing Spider-Man oh, something. 127? 187? Uh, 129. 129. 129. I didn't I even have to it. see. I didn't even have to give you the multiple choices for that. You had it right off the bat. Well, between, well, he, I had it between 60 issues. That's pretty hard. That, that's not bad. He didn't have it right. He was okay. Close. Um, I would have guessed 129. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of these creators created the Punisher? Uh, was it Stan Lee? No. Steve Ditko? No. Nope. Don Pendleton? No. Nope. Uh, Jerry Conway? There you go. That's it. Yeah. Gary. Ding ding ding. Uh, drawn by Ross Andrew. Wow, see? What, what are you talking about you don't know Punisher? You, well, you're sailing, like, man. This is like Punisher 101. This is like well, the first day of the yeah. first time. I didn't want to make it too tough. I mean, they're getting, they might get a little, there's one in here I don't know if you'll know, but it really has nothing to do with the comic book. But uh, here's, uh, During the Vietnam War, Frank Castle served as A, a Navy SEAL, B, a Marine Captain, C, a Army Sergeant, or D, an Army Ranger. He was a ranger, was he not? He was not. Eh. He was a he was a marine captain. He did have ranger training, though. Maybe in a well, that's what I meant. <laughs> Maybe in the Max version, he was. Yeah. My my uh, my grandfather was a ranger in World War II, so I kind of wanted it to be like. Oh. Uh huh. Now you're gonna feel bad for me blowing the question. <laughs> nah, you're right. No. You're, you're right. Comics our veterans. <laughs> uh, here we go. True or false? Frank Castle was born Francis Castil- Castelloni. Castiglione? Uh, I think that's true, actually. It is true. It is true. That's Mispronounced, but true. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, okay, here's one. This is my uh, favorite. The Punisher was one. Actually, he was actually born Francis Castelloni. That's Fra- the big secret in our first arc. <laughs> Francine. Split the internet they're, in they're, half. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. Furious. <laughs> there's your big All right, spoiler. The, uh, the Punisher once killed a young couple um, for which of the following misdemeanors? Was it jaywalking, underage drinking, littering, or speeding? That was an issue where he completely lost his mind, and he killed a cabbie for running a light. He killed somebody for littering, and he killed somebody for jaywalking. I don't remember which was good. <laughs> it was, you're right. It was jaywalking was the young couple. Okay, because okay, he, he was, and then, it, like, Stephen Grant um, was just like, oh, yeah, uh, he was on Crazy Juice, but now he's okay. <laughs> like... Okay, this is the last one, and uh, this may be the toughest. Uh, it, the 2004 Punisher movie... Starred Thomas Jane and John Travolta. Yes, true. Name one, <laughs> name one of the two other films that these two have been in together. Thomas Jane and John Travolta? I'll give you a hint. That in the other two films, they did not have any speaking parts together. Um, 
Wow. Well, that should uh, just be obvious now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you that was going to be the toughest one. Hey, let me uh, let me think about this for a minute. Get off the internet. Get off the internet. I am DB. Oh, wait, it's radio. It sucks, doesn't it? To listen to someone think. Was it that... Gears turning. I give up. Either the Thin Red Line or... Face-off? Face-off was the other one. Yeah, they were both in... That. But I, Thomas Jane was like a secondary character that never said I, I had no idea on those either, That's Matt. That's cruel. Yeah, that was cruel. I um, thought it was like one of the... What was the movie where Travolta was like the fat army lawyer that was... Uh, <laughs> um, my dad loves that movie. What was that? horrible. Ba- not basic training. Basic? I don't know. Maybe yeah, it was I just it was basic. basic. Yeah. He just yells at people a lot. And and just Sam like Jackson's it. in it and he's yeah. Sam Jackson. It's like he followed up like a civil action with the military action movie. Yeah, I... I I, oh well. Better than Battlefield <laughs> Earth. Well, I think you did pretty good. I guess you uh, you can keep writing. I hope I, I hope I've made up for my uh, the gaps in my knowledge with uh, enthusiasm and good intention. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Much like the SAT. <clears throat> well, Matt, we usually have a a main topic which I want to kind of come back around to, and and you're the perfect person to talk about this today. Now that we've uh, discussed some of your creator-owned works, and now that you're doing a very established Marvel property. For you as a writer, what is the major difference between the two? Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a, uh, this is really kind of interesting because uh, um, I, mean, I can, can kind of talk about the Wolverine short that I did, but I mean, with something like Civil War, there's so many kind of um, parts that all are moving simultaneously. You know, there's a lot of vetting and kind of like everything, these big boats in the water, and we kind of have to zig and zag around them. You know what I mean? Um, whereas with Casanova, I can literally put anything I want to into a story and, and not have to care what anybody thinks or says about it. So, you know, it's the difference between collaboration and, and sort of being a solo act. Which one do you prefer right now? And, and I know that you're probably excited about both, but which one really gets your juices going? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's uh, like, I, I, Civil War is the writing a book that's involved with this kind of massive line-changing thing is so bizarre and so entertaining. Like, it's just so weird. I, I can't, like, resent the experience. I'm, I'm just kind of amused by it all. Um, so it's, it's fun. But, I mean, obviously, with something like Casanova, um, the, the, the sky's the limit. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it, it, it kind of can adapt to a lot more stuff. I can kill whoever I want, you know? <laughs> Uh, there isn't 30 years of continuity uh, that I can blow in multiple choice. Uh, it's all in my head, you know what I mean? So there's a kind of... With Punisher, you're, you're sort of um, adapting... Uh, uh, you're kind of like... like You're carrying the baton for a little part of a very long relay race. But at uh, the same time, that has to be pretty special because it is a character you you know, you know and, oh and oh, grew yeah, up no, with. And, and Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, but with Casanova, I've, I've built that world like from... It's first inch entirely in my head, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got we've got a couple forum posts. We um, let the folks at the at the Around Comics forum know that this was what we were going to be talking about a little bit this week, and okay. uh, this one is actually from Steve Bryant, who is the artist for Athena Voltaire. So oh, excellent. Have you have you taken a look at that yet, Matt? I have. Isn't that a good book? It's uh, it, yeah, it's really something. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking. They finally got picked up by another publisher, so I think that's coming out uh, sometime in August. So yeah, I, uh, 
I, I uh, that, that does my heart a world of good. That's excellent. Yeah, that's uh, the whole speakeasy thing was, uh, did you have any friends in the industry that were doing books for speakeasy? Yeah. Uh, that, that really hurt a right. lot of, a lot it's, of guys. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, I see, I see a lot of, uh, a lot of those books have started to be picked up, so that's good for them. But anyway, yeah. this is, uh, this is from Steve and he says, uh, for me, there's no question of what I prefer creator-owned material all the way. It's not like I dislike our company-owned material. In fact, I think that the big two are putting out their best material in years. Arguably, there's never been a time where both companies have been this strong in terms of content. That said, there are, in, there are invariably periods when characters and or titles that I like fall into disrepair. This is either due to an uninspired creative team or a creator who just doesn't share the same take as I do about a book or character. Is there anything more bothersome to read than the latest issue of your favorite comic book and say, but so-and-so would never do that? Says the tendency for creators to feel they have to leave their mark on an icon during the course of their run is problematic for me as a reader. There are only so many times that I can hear, this is the issue where everything changes, or things will never be the same, or everything you know about character XYZ is wrong. There's only so much I can take. I need to change something in this Punisher script. Hold still. (laughs) (laughs) The first one's called Everything Changes. Uh, He he goes on, but I I think he kind of had the the idea, and I think that's that's a lot of of your, I don't want to call them your more mature comic book fans these days, but you know. I know that I have really gravitated towards creator-owned works in the last, you know, five or so years. Well, I mean, it's all, I mean, the dirty secret is, you know, Punisher is awesome and Punisher is fun and working uh, with Axel has been a blast and Ariel does great work. Um, But it's all, all of it feeds into the work where you don't have a boss, you know? Uh, And that's sort of ultimately with with, with creator-owned work, you are your own boss and you get to decide. The, the fate and the destiny of the book. Um, and it's, you know, one feeds the other. You know, there's never going to be a time where I'm not writing something that I own outright, you know? But uh, just, that's not, I, I, it's not worth it to me uh, otherwise. Well, besides, uh, besides the Punisher, is there any other character across either DC or Marvel that you can see your writing style fitting into or you just always wanted to write? Um, can uh, uh, yeah. Yes, there are. Um, <laughs> emphatic. Emphatically so. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, like, like, like Buck Rogers. <laughs> I would love, uh, I'm not even, I'm not kidding. I would love to write like Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon. <laughs> well, I thought the whole Space Ghost thing was silly until I actually saw it and read it. So, yeah, I know, but... right? Like everybody thought that was going to be weird and then Joe knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, yeah, no, there's there's a bunch. I, I would kind of prefer not to, to bring up the Marvel stuff, just um, lest anyone think that I'm suggesting things that I'm not actually suggesting. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, I just there's there's a uh, I, I I don't I don't feel like um, work for hire is um, evil, and I don't you know I, uh, uh, I think if you find something to say and you have a good time writing what you're writing or drawing what you're drawing, then, then more power to you. But um, I, I'm I I almost feel like I think maybe uh, like a personal sense of betrayal when when these sort of creators you love are just kind of working on on big properties and not kind of generating their own their own worlds their own fictions you know absolutely um, I mean we've talked I mean, about ba- that Batman is in fact forever Batman will always be around um, 
Batman will exist. Batman's going to outlive us all. Superman is going to outlive us all. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm taking Superman out at some point. <laughs> okay. Um, well, guys, we could probably talk on creator-owned versus you know company-owned properties, you know, for quite a while. But uh, do you have any any final thoughts on uh, what we've talked about with Matt today, um, Tom? You? Uh, well, for the creator-owned versus uh, you know company, you know, type stuff, I think. There's really great stuff in both, and I think really great writers find a way to mo- make both work for them. You know, there's a creative idea or, like, an interesting thought can come from all kinds of places. It can be just totally original or it could be from some, you know, old Punisher you read when you were a kid and you remember thinking it would be great if the Punisher did that instead. So I think it's there's great stuff for both, and it's really great to see people that can do both really well. Sal? I think those guys are just sellouts. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I, I want, I want to see writers, you know, like Matt and like a Warren Ellis and guys, you know, do both because I love the stuff that I see them doing mainstream with characters that I grew up with, and and I think today we're seeing some of the best comics uh, from Marvel and DC because of that, because of these great writers. But at the same time. Uh, I want to see creator-owned stuff too because they have the freedom to do mu- you know so much more with it, and you know it it would be a shame to ever not see a book you know come out like Casanova Quinn or or Fell or you know the dozens of other really good creator-owned stuff that are out there, um, you know. So as long as we can hopefully keep keep that balance and 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 have creators you know doing both, it, it's a great thing for the you know for me for. The average fan. We all win. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're all winners. And our uh, our guest today, Mr. Fraction. Uh, you know, I I, I think um, if I'm lucky, uh, a kid is going to pick up. Um, oh, maybe not a kid, but someone's going to pick up an issue of Punisher, and and maybe they're going to have a good time, and then they're going to notice that Casanova's on the rack too, and one will feed the next. Um, and I think that uh, the, the, the like I said, Superman and Batman are eternal. Um, but it's it's sort of uh, books like Punisher, uh, like like Punisher, books like Casanova or Five Fists or Fell or Athena Voltaire that um, people aren't going to instinctively look for or to know about. Um, it's harder to get press coverage. It's harder to get uh, Wizard to talk about any of this stuff. It's hard to get people to consider books that aren't Marvel superheroes and DC superheroes seriously. Um, so you know, I think I think. There's a lot of room on the shelves um, for a lot of different books. And better comics is a better industry. Stronger comics is a stronger industry. All right. Uh, I, I agree with, you know, every point there. Um, you know, one of the books that Sal gets absolutely tired of me talking about all the time is, is Queen and Country. Oh. And, and yes, <laughs> I'm tired of it, too. Is what? Queen and, <laughs> I, I love Greg Rucka's work on Queen and Country because it's, I think... That. Dude, I've been on the Oni comp list since before Queen and Country started, really? and it's still the book that I go out every Wednesday when it comes out to buy. Isn't that a freaking awesome book? It's amazing. It's oh absolutely Lord. amazing. Here goes the episode. I, okay, here, <laughs> here goes the rant. Not enough people buy that book. Correct. Oh, well, I mean, that, and that's the thing. It goes back it to... Is, it to, is criminally neglected. To what Matt was saying is that you know you, you don't get the mainstream press because you're not Marvel or DC. You're, you're coming out with this small book, and... 
comic shop owners don't know about it. Comic shop, you know, comic buyers don't know about it. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, there's no reason that Queen and Country shouldn't be doing the same numbers that Checkmate just did. Right. Oh, it, and that's all there's to it. But but it's it's a different it's a different thing. But who knows? Maybe a kid's going to pick up uh, Checkmate and want to see. You know, this is you know. Hey, if you want to see Rucka's real deal, come check out Queen and Country. You know. I I like Checkmate. I thought it was pretty cool. But it's on a scale of one to ten is so many notches below the last issue of Queen and Country. Yeah. It, you you said, and I tell you, I'm not even going to go into my big rant on it. Please go out and buy Queen and Country, and I'm hoping that they option it into a movie and people. It's been optioned. Uh, Wolfgang Peterson has it. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that, that is that is. Or is there maybe that's white? I'm sorry, that's Whiteout. Which is equally good. It's... Which also might maybe feature Tara Chase, maybe in a way if you squint. You know, um, <laughs> Greg Rucka actually um, uh, said that that was not Tara Chase. I don't know if I believe him. Wink, wink. Yeah, uh, but there's there's a character in White House that's real similar. So legally, it is it is absolutely not Terry Chase. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think Matt Matt here. Um, this, this is Matt. This is Matt Ricker, who um, uh, is the owner of Dark Tower, has a has a comment. In defense to the shop owners, at least on our part, we found that the increase in sales in independent comics has gone up. So we've dedicated basically half of our racks to independents. We oh, that's give, fantastic. Yeah, we give two rows of, it's four rows, basically, two rows of independence, one row DC, one row Marvel, knowing that both Marvel and DC are always going to sell no matter what. The increase on DC, of course, has been because of the writers. Marvel's, you know, steady numbers has always been because of the characters. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's fantastic to hear. I, um, since Casanova is about to come out and Five Fists is, is, is coming out, I've been talking to a lot more retailers and hearing, like, good things all over. Um, so that's that's fantastic to hear. That's just great. Well, news. it's going to sell very well on the north side of Chicago. Awesome. <laughs> don't don't worry about that. Uh, I will we, make sure to send you guys the Empire and Waste stickers when I get them back. Hey. Cool. Um, are you going to be at Wizard World Chicago this year? Uh, I'm going to Heroes Con because that's like my hometown show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to go to San Diego. If someone's going to pay for me to go to Wizard World Chicago, I will go. But uh, um, as close as it is, my two show my my show budget for the year is blown. You can stay with us. Yeah, we'll we'll put you up for free, man. Don't worry. Sna- good to know. Sa- Sal snores though, uh, so I'll put you up for <laughs> an extremely reasonable rate. Very, <laughs> very cost effective. Well, guys, we're going to wrap up the first half of the show here. Um, I would like to uh, actually, Matt, you're gonna you're gonna hang around for the for the yeah, rest of the yeah. show. Is that correct? Yeah, if you'll have me, I'll hang out. Hey, we're having a great time. So uh, I do want to I do want to thank you for being on the show and let everyone out there know that um, the Five Fists of Science is coming out May thirty first. Correct. Correct. And retails for twelve ninety five. Is published by Image and Casanova hits bookshelves when. Like June 14th or 17th, something like that? It, not soon enough. Yeah, not soon enough. It is. Go get that book, folks. So um, I think we're going to slide over to the news desk, and uh, it's time to listen to Wire to Wire Comic News. These are your top headlines for the week of May 15th, 2006. Our Gang Volume 1 hits shelves. A 96-page full-color volume of Our Gang by Walt Kelly has been released. Kelly's longest-running continuing series was based on actual people, the real-life characters of MGM's durable short film series Our Gang, a.k.a. The Little Rascals. 
Kelly created nearly 100 Our Gang stories by the end of its 59-issue run in 1949 on the immortal newspaper strip Pogo. This is the first in a series of books reprinting Walt Kelly's Our Gang stories. Suitable for both adults and children, Fanagraphics Books has lovingly restored the work from their comic book appearance, which will be printed in the original four-color splendor. Look for Our Gang to hit shelves retailing for $12.95. Dark Horse Comics celebrates 20 years. Eric Powell draws Star Wars, Adam Hughes draws Hellboy, and Joss Whedon makes his artistic debut? That's just a smidge of what's included in this 25 cent gift to all the fans who have supported Dark Horse Comics through their first 20 years. Dark Horse Comics is proud to present Dark Horse 20 Years, a collection of original art by distinguished list of Dark Horse creators, past and present. Each page holds a different piece, each showcasing a character from the company's history of great original and licensed properties. Instead of drawing their own creations, these draw-dropping talents have traded characters, each offering an unexpected take on one of the icons of Dark Horse. Dark Horse 20 Years will arrive in stores in July with a retail price of 25 cents. Gatos Goes Virgin Michael Gatos, formerly of Alias and The Pulse, will illustrate Snake Woman, a new series created exclusively for Virgin Comics by Hollywood director Shakur Kapoor. It is the inaugural issue of Virgin's Director's Cut line of comics. Gatos has teamed with writer Zeb Wells to divulge the sexy and mysterious story of Jessica Peterson, a woman who will eventually kill 68 men. Snake Woman will be in stores on July 19th. Boom Studios adds nitroglycerin. Wizard Magazine's best new publisher, Boom Studios, has announced that an all-new, totally exclusive webcomic strip, Nitroglycerin, will appear weekly on the site's front page. Building off of the new content of the site, Boom Studios is also moving its forums from its former home at Comic Book Resources over to www.boomstudios.com. Since being awarded Best New Publisher by Wizard Magazine and nominated for the same award at Diamond Comic Distributors for 2005, Boom Studios has seen an uptick in sell-through and initial orders. Selling most of its outstanding backlist now, Boom Studios is having a record year. Vertigo makes trade paperback announcement. As Vertigo's five new ongoing series, Loveless, DMZ, Testament, The Exterminators, and American Virgin, continue to score sold-out issues and gather critical acclaim, DC Comics announces the inaugural collected editions of these exciting new titles, each at a low introductory price. Each of these creatively dangerous and provocative new series are perfect additions to the Vertigo Library, says Karen Berger, VP, Executive Editor of Vertigo. We're thrilled that these books have such a great buzz, and we're certain that even more readers will be taken in by the captivating characters and stories. All five trades have been priced at $9.99. For the entire list of the soon-to-be-released Vertigo trades, go to AroundComics.com. Dynamite Entertainment has released images and information concerning their debut of the all-new Highlander comic book. This series follows characters introduced in the first of the Highlander movie franchise. 
The series will feature an introductory price to zero issue, similar to the successful promotions used to launch Red Sonja and Battlestar Galactica to dizzying heights, as well as the all-star creative team of writers Brandon Jirwa and Mike Omi. Dynamite is launching the series on all cylinders, with a painted cover by painter extraordinaire Gabrielle Diotto and a 50-50 Highlander photo cover. The Chicago Museum of Contemporary Art is hosting an exhibit of acclaimed artist Chris Ware from May 6th to August 27th. Chris Ware, often described as an alternative cartoonist, is best known as the creator of the Acme Novelty Library, publications in various formats that feature the adventures of such characters as Quimby the Mouse and Jimmy Corrigan. Not quite comic books, not quite graphic novels, Ware's work mines art history, popular culture, and personal experience, capturing a queasy sense of reality of modern life in a retro style distinctly his own. For more on this exhibit and the amazing Chicago Museum of Contemporary Art, go to www.mcachicago.org. Civil War Frontline, the podcast. Join writer Paul Jenkins, editor Tom Brevert, and associate editor Corey Settlemeyer as they provide insight into the upcoming Civil War Frontline series. This accompanying 10-issue series to Civil War covers all the ins, outs, and outcasts of the war and the division it creates. Helping to stir debate, Frontline's embedded story arc will cover the war from the point of view of two embedded reporters from rival papers. Meanwhile, the accused story arc will address the consequences that face the lone survivor of the new warriors who is blamed for the Stanford tragedy that was the catalyst to the war. Go to marvel.com and listen to the podcast and hear what kind of Civil War backlash is brewing in the pages of Frontline. These have been your top headlines for the week of May 15th, 2006. For the full version of these and other stories, go to www.aroundcomics.com, your source for the best in comics news, reviews, and opinions. And those are your top headlines this week. Let's uh, start at the top. Looks like Our Gang is going to be collected, and it's a nice little introductory price of uh, 13 bucks. Uh, I like the little rascals like every other red-blooded American kid growing up. Uh, anybody else uh, excited about little rascals? Uh, yeah, I was, I was with the series until Green Goblin raped Darla. <laughs> 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 They keep screwing with Buckwheat's origin over and over again. The continuity of it is just... <laughs> it's good. I just hope it doesn't get canceled. <laughs> wait, till, wait till Infinite Rascals happens and it throws it all up. For Crisis all on Infinite Rascals. Earth, Earth, Earth One Buckwheat's coming back. The cavalcade of jokes. <laughs> Earth Prime Buckwheat. Oh. It's the same joke. Yeah, uh, and on to the oh, next news item. 
All right, guys. Uh, so that that's coming out. Actually, I think it's already released. So check that it's out. Fanographics, uh, right? It, yeah, Fanographics. Yeah. And actually, this is a perfect book for our buddy uh, Bruce Rosenberger over at Comics Cast. I'm sure he will uh, he will give us He'll an in depth. He will love that. He book. read it. He read it when it was carved into stone <laughs> back in the day. Sorry, Bruce. Wait, <laughs> Fanographics is really kind of becoming like the the Criterion collection of comics, aren't they? Fanographics and doing is such great. a phenomenal like preservation and archiving job, and 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 the Peanuts book is, and Dennis the Menace and everything else. I just, I, I could, if I could, I could probably spend all of my money uh, uh, just picking up their stuff. Well, I'm glad that somebody has decided to do it, and they found a niche that that people really enjoyed. So I'm I'm glad that they're doing it. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to be standing outside of the comic shop waiting for you know the the doors to open to run in and get our gang, but I'm glad they're doing it. And I'll, I'll take I'll take a look at it. They have a very high respect for the medium, and and <laughs> it shows in the stuff that they do. And well, and the the editions are going to be beautiful, and you know it's going to be great. I can't wait to get on the internet and bitch about it. About the storylines. <laughs> no one understands Darla like you understand Darla. Exactly. I've written better. Uh, what was the dog's name? Uh, Pee Wee? No. Uh, Spike? Spank. Spanky? No, no. Spanky was, Spanky was, was the fat kid. Uh, I don't know, but it was a pit bull. That's all I know. Yeah, well, Spanky the, was the leader. Yeah. Spanky, oh, yeah. Right. Spanky was the best. Because he wore the hat. <laughs> that made him. I've written better What was the dog's fiction. name? What? <laughs> The dog's the name. Do- I can't think of the dog's name. Petey. Petey, oh, there Petey. we go. Yeah, Petey, that's, Petey. Uh, actually, Matt, Matt Ricker here was uh, was telling me, it's Petey, man, it's Petey. Petey. <laughs> Tom, you wrote Our Gang Slash Fiction. Yeah, I wrote you? Our Gang Slash Fiction. I have an entire, I have some Perfect Stranger stuff up there, too, if you guys are As Alfalfa slowly undid his overalls. <laughs> his Petey looks long, long in the <laughs> In the back of the Model T that my grandpa bought for his Sunday touring car. Great, we're going to get an explicit tag, tag. on this episode hey. because of our game. Never hey. another day like Armistice Day. If Alan, if Alan Moore can do it to uh, Alice Dorothy in Wonderland, and, and, yeah. then, you know, there's no rules anymore. Hey, Matt, do you know about the, the Lost Girls? Oh, yeah, yeah, are you kidding me? Are, are you gonna I, can't, pick- I can't wait to beat off to that. <laughs> <laughs> Just like back in the day, the way people used to, you know. Yeah, like the old-timey. No, I mean, I have the two uh, the, 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 the two issues that actually exist. I mean, no, no, I can't. It's going to, it's a sort of legendary lost work, you know. I, I can't wait to see it. It's it's not cheap, though. It's, what, like 75 bucks? I mean, that's, yeah. That, I, that's, uh, that's, wow. that's pretty expensive for getting your uh, getting your thrill. So. You know, uh, you just uh, it it's one of those things that I, I just I think that it's going to be um, like it, it's it's literally a piece of comic art, you know. Um, and it's Alan Moore. Come on, the man this can't can't do much wrong. That's yeah. for sure. I mean, it's, it, this isn't. Let's, I mean, come on. It's not like Spawn versus Lost Girls. I mean, this is the, the real deal. <laughs> What's scary is that would sell. Well, yeah, it would just <laughs> sell would more than fucking Lost Girls. Variant covers. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, Dark Horse celebrating 20 years. That's uh, that's kind of crazy. Well, you know, I remember. Um, well, it would have been their five year anniversary. Holy Christ, do I feel old? Because that was when they first published a Sin City story. It was in their fifth anniversary book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Dark oh Horse my God. For, for me. Oh yeah, I know. We're, uh, <laughs> you hey, better, you better get writing, man. I, I think you're younger, and actually, I think Tom is the is the baby on the panel today. But uh, I am 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know that Sal and I are are probably the the oldest on the panel today. And, and how, it's just, how, old are, how old is everybody over there? Uh, actually, Sal's the elder statesman. I'm 35. I'm 33. I'm 27. 
Okay, so I'm I'm 30. So yeah, so we're all so I mean, it, Dark Horse has kind of always been there for us as comic fans. It feels like, but uh, they always felt like the new kid yeah, on the block. Yeah, but Dark Horse won't you know help you move your you know move your stuff. <laughs> they're they're not like a friend like that. They're not like a help you move a couch friend. Hey, they may be that kind of friend for you. But not for us. No, I'm saying they're not. That's uh, you know. He tried. He. <laughs> I called them like, hey, you know, my couch. They're all like, I got something I got to do. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's alien or predator as long as one of them shows up to help me move. <laughs> well, anyway, back to the news story. Uh, twenty five twenty five cents for the uh, uh, for the twentieth anniversary. Uh, Dark Horse uh, celebrates, and it's got all these different artists and writers. You know. For a quarter, I'm going to see what Joss Whedon can do as an artist. That just will be worth it for it for me right there. So, Wait, is there a Sin City in there or a Hellboy thing in there? You know, it's what what they said in the story is that uh, blah blah blah. These jaw dropping talents have traded characters, each offering an unexpected take on one of the icons of Dark Horse. So, I mean, if the, if there's not a Marv or a Hardigan in there, I'll be absolutely yeah. But I think shocked. I think the interesting thing they're doing is like you know they're having like you know. Different. Uh, what's his name? Powell from the Goon. Eric Powell. Yeah, Eric Powell. He's gonna do you know like a, um, a Grendel story or something. You know they're they're trying to sort of switch up what you you know these guys have. They're not doing their own work basically. Yeah. They're, they're they're doing someone else's. So that's what did Joss Whedon do for Dark Horse? Was that uh, the Serenity? The Buffy book and then the the other. Oh Buffy yeah. well, duh. Um, all that. Well, did did Serenity come out? Yeah, he didn't Dark? just do a. Yes, Randy was Dark Horse too. Okay, that's uh, uh, so you know for twenty five cents you you can't beat it. Um, Michael Gatos is signed on with Virgin to pencil a story. Which Man, that's uh, a killer. That's a, that, that book has a killer hook, doesn't it? The uh, the 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 snake, snake will woman? eventually kill sixty eight men. Yeah, like I'm sold. Okay, I'll check it out. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll give you an issue. Sure. It's uh, you know, I, I like Mike Gatos. So Mike Old Gatos's art. But I think probably the the most important part of the story that I see is that it looks like Virgin is not messing around. Well, you know, even uh, let's hope that the it, it, best of intentions. You know what I mean? Dark Horse launched a superhero line back in the day, and mm. I don't, I doubt very much that like there will be Ghost or uh, a Will to Power are featured in that Dark Horse anniversary. <laughs> uh, God, I hope it happens. You know? More. Good comics are more good comics, and a, a, a publisher built to compete is excellent. Um, I, I hope the market embraces this stuff. Do you, do you think the market is big enough to embrace another publisher that's going to try and be a major player? And I don't know if they if they even have the intention of saying, yeah, you know, yeah. we're going to be another Marvel or DC. But here's the thing, um, you know, Virgin has all those mega stores, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't need us. Well, that's just. I mean, the the money that guy has. You know, it, this is just sort of. Yeah, but little... I mean, he's got his own distribution network already set up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Anything that gets sold outside of Virgin Mega Stores are going to be gravy. Yeah, true enough. I didn't think of it that way. That do you th- are they only? Do you, does Virgin do they sell comics in Mega Stores now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, oh, that's right. They're crazy about the trades. I was uh, huge I went, graphic novel section. I, I went down to uh, the probably the most horrific place <laughs> in the universe. It's called. Um, um, Disney Town in in, in Orlando, <laughs> Florida, and uh, 
at Disney Downtown. I mean, it was. I've been it, there. Oh, it was probably one of the most horrific experiences of my life. And I, I ran into a Virgin megastore to get away from the bright, shiny lights. <laughs> and it was really cool because I went upstairs and they had a huge graphic novel section. And it was stuff that, you know, it's kind of hard to find in Chicago sometimes. So yeah. that was that was pretty cool. So, you know, the, the only, this is kind of weird, the only place. Uh, of mine that I personally have ever seen uh, any of my work that wasn't a comic book store was a Tower Records in Tokyo. <laughs> that's odd. That yeah, kind of be a little odd. surreal. It was completely bizarre. And Tokyo was pretty weird to begin with. Uh, that was just the icing on the cake. It was like to find my to find it last of the independence at a Tower Records in Tokyo was <laughs> a real mind bender. Mixed among the the, the manga there. Uh, no, it was. They had a, a really robust section of American graphic novels. They had a wall of uh, individual black hole issues uh, when you couldn't get them in the United States. Wow, I am in the middle of reading that right now. Did you pick them all up and sell them on eBay? <clears throat> no, no. Uh, I just um, I thought about uh, picking them up for friends who like didn't have them, but uh, didn't because it's Tokyo and the dollar is so weak. They would have been like twenty dollars an issue. Wow, it's uh... Uh, and, I, and I'm I'm like black hole like hardcore i've read that i read that book from day one i read that book as it came out in the issues you know there are there are very few books that we've even bounced around the idea of doing an actual show about you know because we usually like to stay around you know a general topic and then you know news and whatnot but i think black hole may be the first book that we can actually dedicate a show to and not even begin to describe how cool that book is yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic book. It's, it's and it's actually you know for the hardcovers what, twenty four bucks or something yeah. a great yeah. value. So pick that up. Uh, let me see. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, uh, what Virgin uh, puts out. I think it could yeah, be yeah. could be interesting. And, and they're definitely you know building themselves to compete. So fingers crossed. Uh, I'm going to actually add a news story here, and the reason I didn't put it on the news this week is because there was no official release about it. There was just some, you know, internet forum rumblings, and so everyone out there, get ready. Tom Caters is going to go on a huge rant about this, but the thing has been clobbered. Has been pulled. Oh. <laughs> the thing has been pulled. Yeah, as I... A couple of days ago, I would have been much, I would have just called everyone stupid for not buying it, but I think I've tempered my. It's just it, the only thing, the thing about it that bothers me the most is that um, in the big two companies, which are you know the major sort of players in comics, have become so homogenous over the years. Not that they weren't always homogenous, but the, now it's just becoming like more and more apparent that the audience that buys superhero comics I think is becoming even sort of narrower in what they're willing to buy because I see a lot of people on the internet talk about how the thing was not you know like I wouldn't consider it a superhero book or people just wrote it off as like a joke book I I love that a comic book about a giant man made of rocks who hangs out with the Fantastic Four can be debated as not being a superhero book yeah it's just sort of like there's no room for it. Like, so it's just like a concern I have with about how these companies are. <coughs> maybe it'll be good for independent books because I go to independent books for that type of humor now because the big two aren't going to give you anything like that. The big two are going to give you what people want apparently to buy from them, which is the sort of middle ground drama, which has its place, and I enjoy that too. But... Both of them definitely are cutting out anything, you know. 
not not that the Marvel needs to have to publish the thing, but it sort of concerns me that there isn't like a market within the comic buyers for that type of book, which I thought was well. But you know, though, at the same time, though, look at something like She Hulk. I mean, there is that that kind of. I mean, Slot She Hulk yeah. is, is kind of of a similar vein. But that's also sure. because Marvel was willing to push She Hulk. It was like once the thing started off with thirty thousand sales, you never saw. You know, that's a small number one issue for any comic book. At yeah, that yeah. point, you're thinking. Oh God, it's gonna get canceled because any book drops about twenty percent from number one to like number two, and already wow. it's in danger. I kind of well, get the I, feeling that it was sort of just written off at that point and not yeah, really uh, given the same support She-Hulk was. But if well, you the, know, my my biggest concern is just that, that you know my my friend Kieran Dwyer was doing the art on what's gonna be the last three issues, um, and I just it's it's a it's just great stuff, and I I love like being able to go out and see his work on it every month, so. Yeah, it I'm sucks just, all around. I'm just being a cranky old man. Well, you know, for, like first of all, it, it's not Marvel's fault. No, it's not Marvel's fault. It's just the it's the only thing I would blame <laughs> it for is not sort of giving it the same support that She-Hulk had almost in a way. But they're no, not but obligated you know, they, they to canceled, do that. But I mean, they, they you know they canceled She-Hulk too. Yeah, they might bring the thing back. You know, I, I've I've never heard so much forum chatter and people screaming about a book being canceled because of, of low sales. I, mean, I think that all 18,000 people that buy the thing jumped on a forum this week and just screamed <laughs> just at the top of their lungs. You the know, tyranny I, of democracy. You know, I, where, where I go on a rant about really good you know, independent books out there, Queen and Country, that really should be picked up and bought by people, I can't get that upset about the thing it's like oh, you know you know Chris, you know what oh ben is gonna be fine he's gonna be in the fantastic four dan slot is a hell of a writer he's not going no, away but i like the thing and i think i should get to complain that the thing you know you can take that <laughs> queen and country cross off your back now you know <laughs> like, so all i'm complaining about is the thing was a good book and there's enough room for queen and country and the thing you know i, I you also know. like to point out that queen and country sells about five thousand copies a month thank you yeah. Well, that's and if the other thing. Canceled, you know, I'm sure all five thousand of those people would complain too. What I don't understand is what Marvel's policy is for you know where a book drops <clears> down to. Because I was looking at some numbers on the thing in it in its first four the first four issues, and the numbers were comparable to like the last six or eight months of Spider Girl. Yet they're not canceling that book. They're trying to get it to 100, I think. Aren't they? Yeah, they keep. They were going. They were going to cancel it, and then a lot of fans. That, that's the book that won't die. I, seriously, it, that that thing has been on the on the border of being canceled for so long. So is it just a marketing ploy by Marvel to say, "Hey, we're going to cancel this book," but unless people like have an outcry for thing, you know, for the thing, or well, they'll bring it back, maybe. Well, well yeah. Matt, Matt, didn't you say that uh, that Joe Q in his cup of Joe had some stuff to say about the thing? Or whatever the, the the Friday column it is on Newsarama, okay. he mentioned that you know if the trade did well, of course they would look at bring the series back. Um, I, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't remember what the exact words well, were. I, I think that I think that's a perfect book for trade because that 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 just seems to in the you know the comic collector mentality that's out right now of the I'll wait for the trade. I there has to be a ton of people out there that says, oh, I hear it's really funny, but I'm not going to put it on my poll list because I hear it's going to get canceled anyway, so I'll just wait for the trade. Yeah, so I, I expect the sales on that trade to do pretty well. So, We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. 
<laughs> we'll see. All right, so we're gonna stop uh, stop talking about the thing here. So, like I, like I said, Dan's lots a hell of a writer. He'll he'll be fine. And this is not Reed the last. Don't and Reed, we, Queen we can stop talking. Yeah, we can stop talking about it. But don't stop thinking about it, everyone. <laughs> don't tell hearts. me what to think. If you're gonna buy a thing, go buy Queen and Country. Um, <laughs> boom! Add some nitroglycerin. Uh, has anybody checked out the nitroglycerin webcomic at uh, at boomstudios.com? I did. Yes. Yeah. Well, I will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's. It, I think they only have one out so far. So. Um, Good. Yeah, it was funny. It was. It, it was sort of like their editor. I, I can't think of the, the 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 guy's name. The 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 guy who runs Boom, but it was Ross? him. Uh, what? Ross. Ross. Yeah, Ross Ritchie. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Ross Ritchie. Yeah. And it was him uh, t- introducing <laughs> what was coming out from Boom, and it, he was. He was uh, drawn as a Cthulhu character, and everything was Cthulhu related. Nice. And, and uh, it was it was funny. It's kind of a cool little thing. To... I, w- I wanted to make sure and get a Boom Studios story in this week. Uh, you know, I thought that the the whole thing about their forum, they got that set up, which is cool. But uh, we're starting to be pretty big fans of Boom because they have been really awesome about getting in touch with us and sending us press releases. And we actually got some great uh, Boom Studio preview copies of some books this week. And uh, and so they've uh, they've been really good to us, and they've put out good books. And they, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think we'll actually talk about some of those a little bit later. But there is a reason that Boom Studios was the uh, best new publisher of the year, and uh, uh, I would encourage you to check out anything that Boom is putting out. Um, next is uh, Vertigo has announced a uh, a heaping helping of trades coming out, and they are all very reasonably priced and. Uh, uh, looks like Loveless, DMZ, Testament, The Exterminators, and American Virgin will all be hitting the trade paperback shelves by, I think, October was the last of those release dates, and they're all priced at nine ninety nine. They also put out a, another <coughs> press release about uh, a whole a whole other list of trades that Wildstorm uh, is putting out, too. Um, so they're... At, same kind of good pricing and yeah, go go to go to around. I think they're trying to they're it. trying to really amp up their trade release schedules. It seems. Yeah, you know, it's good. Aren't the uh, the Vertigo books at least like aren't those trades that they've announced collecting issues that haven't been published yet? Uh, they, they, I think they're starting to solicit them. It's like American Virgin is only on like issues two, two, two I right, think right. three, three. So that that's being solicited, I believe, for like an October release. So it, it, it's just interesting that that. Uh, you know, uh, Dan DiDio talks about how it, if you're waiting for the trade, then they're not doing their job. Um, <laughs> and I, it's going to be interesting to see, like, if, if that affects the book sales, because you know there are going to be people who hear about these trades coming out and think, well, screw it, I'm not going to get the monthlies if the trade's well, already been solicited. For, for some of those, people better buy the trade, because I think um, Exterminators is uh. now the lowest-selling... Well, they should buy the monthlies. I mean, the, yeah. the trade sales are the trades are evergreen product. It's it's a month in month out stuff of the monthlies that are going to save that book. It's now the lowest yeah. the lowest non canceled DC book. Well, it, right well, it is kind of interesting that DC's sort of, you know, on one end they they're not releasing any trades for fifty two or uh, Infinite Crisis until the whole thing's done. But then, wait, but the Infinite Crisis hardcover is coming out. Yeah, they solicited that. <laughs> no, Get the hardcover. Then I guess it's just 52. 52, 52 is what yeah. they're not. Yeah, 52, they're not doing the trade until... Uh, I can't believe 52 is almost over. 
126 <laughs> of the way through, guys. I know, just seriously, it's it's only 50 weeks left. <laughs> you're going to look back and just you're going to wonder where the time I've went. already speculated on all 50 issues what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I just I can't believe that it's so close to finishing that we've made it this far. I don't, it feels that close to me. It's almost too much. I, I, I've read the first two issues now, and it's like, I don't know if I can handle this much elongated man. Oh, <laughs> wrong. You can have as much elongated man as anybody. That's definitely going to get our explicit tag. <laughs> you can handle, you can take all the elongated man in as you, as, as so, human movie So, when do you, is, Matt, when do you think the uh, the first Punisher War General trade will be announced? <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea. During this podcast, <laughs> yeah. it just was. Yes, yeah, so we've just gotten a it's, PR uh, from... Uh, just got an email from Marvel. From Marvel. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, uh, hang on. Uh, Axel Alonso just shot me in the neck with a blowgun. I'm blacking <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, Matt, do you read Exterminators? I have them. I have, I'm have. i so behind, it's not even funny. Quite um, simply, one of the... a lot of stuff I've not read. It, it is one of the most bizarre yet finest comic books published today. That is, you're not the first person to say that to me. Oh. It, just as just to say, there is a panel with a cockroach that roars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if that's like any, and it scares you. And it when scares it does. you. It's not. It's not funny. It's yeah. frightening. It, it, it takes yeah. pest control to a whole new level. And, yeah. Uh, no, I. I I've got them here. I just I haven't uh, read them I, right I now. No way. Well, you're, yeah. bit, you're... I, okay. Just put it on pause. I'll be right back. <laughs> it would be worth it. That's uh, actually fellow Kansas City and uh, Tony Moore. Yeah, if... which is kind of embarrassing. So it's kind of good that Tony and I haven't gotten that cup of coffee we keep threatening each other with because I haven't. I can't talk to him about his new book. Yeah, you're gonna have to go speed read uh, Walking Dead Volume One and Two um, and Exterminators. I like the book with all of the roaches. You did, yeah. Uh, you really did a great job on, on uh, the book. So, Tony, let's talk about you. How are you? <laughs> what are you reading? I, what yeah. a- <laughs> I hear you do a zombie book. Is it out yet? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, Dynamite Entertainment uh, is talking about issue zero for the all-new Highlander comic book. Um, so there can be only one and zero. Zero. And no. So uh, uh, once again, we, we always we always get these stories about these licensed properties that are being converted to comic books, and I get excited about some of them. I'm really excited about Rick Remender's run on Battlestar Galactica coming up, but are we interested in uh, the Clan McCloud coming to comics? Well, I have to say that the press release gets me fired up with the use of the term dizzying heights. <laughs> 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 yes, it's very flowery language. Dizzying heights of pre-orders. I'll, I'll go rewatch uh, Highlander and then as, I'll decide. As long as it's based on the first Highlander and not the second Highlander. It, the, it, it is based on characters from the very first movie of the Connor franchise. Cloud. <laughs> Finally, somebody's going to talk about Christopher Lambert in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, one of the guys working on this <laughs> is uh, Michael Avon Oming. He is. Yes, he is. What's he doing? On Read it? your own press releases. I don't Good have time, Lord. man. I got to type them out, and people <laughs> sending me stuff every so, day. Yeah, it's uh, um, yeah. Mike Omen is going to be writing on that. It's not going to be art. He's uh, uh, yeah. He's doing like half the writing duties. It looks like. So I mean, for the, I uh, have you guys been picking up of any of Omen's work, like Red Sonia, and then he was doing what Aries is another book that is really I, good. Aries was a book that I. Didn't pick up, and I was guilty of the waiting for the trade on that. It came well. The only reason it came out like two issues came out, and I I almost picked them up, but I'm like, uh, I'll just wait for the you know. But I should have probably picked them up. But I've heard that's really good. I, yeah. I haven't read it, but uh, but I've heard it's excellent. And you know, 
Yeah, Matt, I, have you have you read any of uh, Omen's stuff? I have it, but I have some of it, but I haven't read. I no, I have. You just have piles and gonna, piles of comics. Not, yeah, you're, not, you're. I could take a freaking picture and you would laugh at me. I look like a crazy schizophrenic that never goes out of the house. We'll expect that on the uh, forum. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, you know, with us, you know, doing the whole podcast thing, there's like this bizarre sense of you know urgency. Obligation. Yeah, this sense of obligation of that we have to read everything and. My to-read pile actually fell over the other day, and my neighbors came up to ask me if I was okay. Wow. (laughs) And you were were trapped underneath it. (laughs) Well, while I do feel that same obligation, I will say anyone that sends me free comics, I'll put those right on the top of the stack there. And We and love you, Boom Studios. Yeah. Boom Studios and is Matt, the greatest Matt, publisher. Matt sent us. Yeah, Image has done a great job. Um, all right, so uh, Highlander the comic, it's it's coming out. Um, th- this is one that I'm really excited about, and this is the Chris Ware exhibit in Chicago, which I think um, he's going to be there tomorrow, which when you listen to this episode, he will have been there the previous Saturday. Um, it's like Casanova. It's a mind twister. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Um, in the future. I have uh, to travel back in time and kill Chris Ware. <laughs> <laughs> but not before his next issue of uh, Acme Novelty Library comes out. Uh, also, I have until, you know, I have until like, uh, uh, I was just going to say like 1997. I kind of blew the joke there. How embarrassing. <laughs> you would know, edit that out, right? No. Nah, it's, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I enjoy that. It's probably the closest thing to a coffee table book I have of a comic, and I enjoy the novelty library, but I don't understand. I it. don't understand it. It's that guy. Talk about somebody with like he must have like OCD or something. Or te- I mean, Tesla-like intelligence. I mean, the guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's all hand-drawn, right? You know, he doesn't use a computer. Yeah. He doesn't use any mechanical. It's oh, sick, it's right? insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's the most astonishing. One of the most astonishing graphic novelists working today. Well, that's what I'm excited about is that, you know, I, I, I get some of the, the collections, but I've never seen any of the work in person. And there's the, apparently a huge exhibit at the Museum of Contemporary Art. So go to mcachicago.org. Yeah, it's and, running through and August. And read about what you missed. <clears throat> no, well, he's going to be there personally tomorrow. But the, oh, show, but the, the exhibit is up. The yeah. exhibit's there till August. Yeah, August 27th. So uh, I will say for people that are coming in for Wizard World Chicago, which is the first weekend in August, you should, if you're from out of town, you should get out and see the city a little bit. The Museum of Contemporary Art is gorgeous. It is downtown. You owe it to yourself to go and check it out. And there's going to be a comic book exhibit there. So you know, what else do you, what else do you need? So. And, and Wizard has such like a crossover marketing with, market with uh, people who read uh, Chris Ware comics. It just it goes together like <laughs> peanut butter and chocolate. Oh, I mean, he's in the top ten like every week. You know, right by you know George Perez. It's it's awesome. So. <laughs> Um, there's actually we reported on it last week. There's a really cool set of DVDs that are available called uh, Hooked on Comics, and it's a bunch of underground comic artists and writers and like really funny interviews with them. And the second volume is the Chicago scene and it has Chris Ware and and a bunch of other folks. So uh, a reminder to check that out if you're a, if you're a Chris Ware fan. Uh, can you say was what is that called? It's called Hooked on Comics, okay. and. Uh, I'll just tell you if you go to www.aroundcomics.com, uh, it's in one of the news headlines. But we're, we're, we're so kind that we'll we'll email you the link to it. <laughs> um, our last story here, and uh, see that Marvel is uh, infringing on our uh, on our territory. They're starting these uh, podcasts up. 
those jerks. So, but no, I, I thought a char- bunch of charmless losers. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is actually pretty cool for anyone that had a chance to listen to it. It was uh, Paul Jenkins, um, Tom Brever, and uh, Corey Settlemeyer were talking about Civil War Frontline. What Sal and I have talked about. I'm actually maybe even a little bit more interested in Frontline than I am in Civil War. And so they talked about that, and it was very, very informative. Did you see uh, Paul Jenkins' thing on Newsarama where he was describing why he was acting the way he was during the podcast? It's because his, like, wife was in labor, mm-hmm. and he had to run to, like, he do, He's podcast. got that flogging a dead horse is his, his column yeah. on Newsarama. It's hilarious stuff. <laughs> he's talking about why he just didn't, didn't he's, answer anything. <laughs> that's kind of that's funny because Sal was actually one of the first people that... Uh, that I, I was the second person that knew his wife was pregnant. Yeah. Amazingly enough, and I, I, it was the first being God. No, the first was his his father, I believe, <laughs> oh, okay. and I was the second person he told father in after after meeting me at Wizard World Chicago. We, you know, we I I didn't know him or anything. Yeah. I didn't even know who he was when I talked to him, and 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 then once I did know who he was, I mean, I knew Paul Jenkins. I just didn't yeah. know what he looked like. But yeah, I was like the second person on the planet to know it. He was just like so, bubbling. Yeah, he was just so, and, and, yeah. and he figured I was just the this anonymous person that he could you tell. You stranger. Hey, yeah, exactly. Stranger. Nine not, months later, it's on a podcast. Yeah, no kidding. Ha ha, Paul. I kept, I kept, <laughs> I kept the secret for him. Though. Yeah. So, you, so you weren't the guy who started Paul Jenkins' wife is pregnant dot com. No, that wasn't <laughs> me. I don't know who that was. Yeah, you went immediately to Newsarama to post it. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, he's the guy. Happened. He's the guy that started hey. the Matt Fraction is pregnant dot com. No, no. I have more stories from that convention than oh, so most ma- people. So many that just can't be repeated. Yes. Um, po- so, uh, speaking <laughs> of podcast, um, I meant to ask you earlier, Matt. Is this your is this your first podcasting experience? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, uh, is I've Mar- done. A, I did. A, I did a phone interview that I think is going to a podcast, but this is my first actual like I'm sitting here talking to my laptop like a crazy person podcast experience. <laughs> Hunched over with your face like an inch away from the screen. Yeah, no, you're not too far off from the truth. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, when uh, Punisher War Journal hits stands, I'd like to see uh, Marvel continue these podcasts because they're actually very cool and it would be great to hear you talk about Punisher's role in Civil War, so I hope that they. No, no, they... it would be better for him to come back on around comics podcasts and talk about Punisher's role in Civil War. I, it would just be awesome for me to talk about Punisher's role. Well, that would, yeah, <laughs> to anyone, <laughs> it would be a letter. Be a letter. Go to confession or something and yeah. spill all these all these Civil War things that I know that I had to you know sign papers swearing that I wouldn't talk about. Dearest yeah. around comics, yeah, but here's what happens for you and and back to Civil War. How cool! <laughs> shut up, Tom. <laughs> how cool is? I mean, this is a huge event, and we're yeah. absolutely loving it. How cool is it to be actually part of Civil War? It's completely terrifying. It's awesome. I mean, it's 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 really incredible, and it's a very fun, very bizarre experience, and I'm I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. Does, does Mark Millar and Joe Casada just threaten you on a daily basis not to screw things up? Um, not to my face, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's and it's Brevort with a hard E. And uh, Miller, actually. No, that's right. Yeah, I've Miller. told you it's Miller for some I know it is. And it's Brevort. 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 Yeah, Tom Brevort and Brevort. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I say that not out of interest in, in correcting you, but I myself had trouble with those names for a very long time, and it wasn't until I heard like people who know the guys saying it again and again. So okay, maybe Al- somebody listening to this will sort of Alex, secretly. Alex Malev or Alex Maleev? 
I believe it's Maliv, but don't I? I'm not 100 percent sure about that. Well, I I got nothing to say because I couldn't even I I was I wasn't sure how to pronounce uh, your artist on Casanova's last name, and it's just two letters. Ba. Yeah. Well, but it looks too simple. It ba. Couldn't, couldn't just. Ba. It's got that little. It's ba. It's got that little thing on the a, and it it's got to be something strange. I don't know. Ma- at frac- fractium. Yar, like a pirate. Yar. <laughs> Matt fractium. All right, guys. Well, I think that is going to oh. wrap. Oh, I, I'm oh, sorry. You know, oh, I, oh, I did oh, want to uh, add uh, one uh-huh. news item, uh, which will probably be on the news next week. But I just want to mention it was uh, Alex Toth or Toth. Oh yeah, the, sorry, the, Toth, the Alex, Alex Toth, Toth letters or something. But yeah, the, there's a, a gentleman. Um, I think his name is uh, John Hitchcock. Uh, he was a comic book or uh, a comic shop owner, and he, in 25 years ago, he started writing to to Alex Toth. Um, and they s- had this like pen pal relationship for 25 years, and in it he collected all this original artwork and you know sketches and letters and stuff from him. And, and he's recently published a book uh, with all that material in there. And after the printing costs are are paid for, all the proceeds are going to to Alex Toth or Toth. Is it Toth? It's Toth. I'm not sure how yeah, you just mean, call him Alex. Yeah, just just call he's, him he's Alex. been in the hospital for a little while, so yeah. Um, so I just wanted to mention that you know because okay. not only is with that you know just, I've heard he's an amazing like letter writer he just loves to correspond with people and and there's been a lot of people that have said you know over the years that they've they've written back and forth with him um, but yeah I'm, I'm sure he could use the dough too so okay. For, like, yeah I mean he was he's like I said he's been in the hospital like the last month or so I I, I think he's out but but I, I don't know about that. I, I believe he is, but yeah, he he was in for a while. So. Well, folks, I mean, he's, he's one of the, the absolute titans of this industry. None of us would be here were it not for him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm as a kid, I was a huge Zorro fan, uh, and sure. his stuff was just you know. Well, I mean, he did like every character sheet for Hanna Barbera in the seventies. Uh-huh. You know? he, really, he's amazing. I mean, and he's one of those guys that just most people don't know about him for whatever reason. I mean, you know, it's like everybody knows. Kirby, or you know, mm-hmm. even Ditko, or, or you know, guys, you know, but Will Eisner has become. Well, but, but Kirby, Ditko, and Eisner knew Toth, and that's what counts. Yeah, that's yeah, true enough. Yeah, and that's it. Well, check that uh, check that story out at Around Comics. I'm sure that we will report on that again. I think that was a late entry into the news uh, a day after we recorded it. Um, guys, that's going to wrap up our news for the week. Uh, that means it is time for top of the stack. Top, top of the stack. The stack. The stack. That's right. It's time for Top of the Stack, our chance to let you, the listener, know what we have been reading for the last week. Uh, i tell you what, we'll start out with Sal this week. Sal, what is your Top of the Stack? Um, my Top of the Stack this week is Captain America number 18, written by Ed Brubaker and drawn by Steve Epting, uh, with colors by, uh, is it Frank Diarmada? I believe his name. We're going to butcher every name yeah, in the I, I comics industry today. Um, pronounce anything, but um, I mean, everybody's talked about how good this Captain America ha- has been since Ed Brubaker took over, and and I agree, it's it's phenomenal. This book, um, this particular issue, really, I don't know. It was there was something about it that really struck me um, because of the way uh, the, the basic premise of it is Cap is in London and he's looking for someone and he's find some old friends to help him out and it's uh union jack and and spitfire uh who used to work for but the whole thanks for spoiling it yeah well whatever the whole time that they're together 
it wasn't these three superheroes, you know, getting together and go, hey, Cap, let's go. You know, it was three real people talking that obviously had, uh, you know, friendship and history. And it was really just amazing to kind of see it in, in a mainstream comic like this mm-hmm. where these these three people were just communicating as regular people regardless of what their jobs are or what their, you know, what, you know, and... and I, it just sort of epitomized what Ed Brubaker has really been able to do with this book of just humanizing this iconic character of Captain America and really bringing life to to that character and and to the story as a whole. And uh, the art is phenomenal as usual. Uh, Steve Epting's stuff is is just gorgeous to look at and fits the the book so well. Um, and and really, I you know one of the things that I never really mentioned is colorist, but on this book in particular, I think. Um, the colorist has, adds so much to the artwork. Um, th- those guys get looked over all the time. And, and Maury Holloway's able... colors on Civil War were freaking gorgeous. By the way, speaking of colorists, so. But um, so I mean, yeah, I you know I, everybody's well, talking about Cap, and 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 it's obviously a great book. But this one in particular, it was just a matter of these three characters who obviously are, are long friends and working together. But it wasn't. Like I said, it wasn't your cliche sort of heroes getting together and never never talking to each other with their real names, and and that was sort of the one thing that throughout the entire convers uh, you know three or four conversations they had together, they never used their superhero names. It was all Steve and and Joey, and you know, and, and it was just very humanizing. So that's my top of the stack. So Brew Baker's hit another one out of the park. Yeah, I, I mean it's just consistently good. I you know I the guy's uh, a very talented writer and. and and I love the stuff that he's doing on on Cap and Daredevil, and can't wait to see his X Men. And, and uh... oh, wait until wait until you see Criminal. Yeah, that's oh, I've heard. Oh, that, oh. Has that been announced? Though I mean that I, that kind of came out in Warren Ellis's uh, Bad Signal newsletter, but nobody's really. I don't. Uh, is that is that official, Matt? Do you think we can mention that? What Criminal? Yeah. I, I know it. I know Ed and Sean are doing a book called Criminal. <laughs> All right, guys, let, look for a new book and. It's not going to be under the Marvel imprint. Well, so. the rumor is it's going to be under Icon, and yeah. it's Sean Phillips and Ed. The, the, it's, the, it's the most. It's uh, 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 Ed gets, I think, the best work out of Sean Phillips, and I mean, I, I'm a friend and a fan of Joe Casey. It, it, it's that's a tough call for me to say, but um, Sean Phillips is a genius, and uh, he is so wonderfully matched with Brubaker. The book is going to. Shear the top of your head right off. <laughs> well, anybody that read Sleeper, I mean, uh, that, that, those guys were on Sleeper together, and and that you know was a phenomenal book. Yeah, so okay, Jim Rome, it was phenomenal, phenomenal. Hey, I was I'm a huge fan of Sleeper, and I think I turned you <laughs> onto Sleeper before before Ed actually signed up with Marvel. So that was uh, well, I that book. I don't know. All right, we're we're digressing. Uh, uh, Tom, what is your top of the stack this week? Uh, it was a tough week for me because I really wanted to maintain my streak of gorilla or ape themed <laughs> top of the stacks, <laughs> but uh, I really wanted to pick Shadow Pact because it had Detective Chimp. But uh, <coughs> I finished the first trade for Seven Soldiers uh, by Grant Morrison, and it's very rare that I read something that completely blows me away, and this did. I am. Um, it's amazing to me that one person could write four such totally different storylines within one trade that all kind of interweave together on some level. 
and uh, the artists all fit the individual stories. Um, if people don't know what it is, he's a, this has kind of been going on the same time as Infinite Crisis, but uh, Morrison's writing these uh, seven different miniseries that are all sort of intertwining together to tell one big story, and they're all sort of minor characters in the DC universe. And, but, they, uh, but they work individually, too. Yep, they all work individually, but if you read all of them together, too, they also sort of fit together the same. So it's a really cool you know, concept in and of itself, and just out of curiosity, it's interesting to read it to see how well he pulls it off. And in the first trade, I gotta say, he does a really great job. I mean, you have a story with a medieval knight you know, getting stuck in modern-day New York. You have a, a vigilante who works for a newspaper who has to fight New York subway pirates. You have uh, Zatanna who can't remember how to, you know, use her magic. And then you have <laughs> this rather goth-looking witch boy who lives underground. And it's just these four totally different stories that you wouldn't think could work together thematically, but they actually all, you know, fit together really well. And all the artists are perfect for the story they're reading, and it just really, you know, blew me away. Even though there was not one single talking ape or ape dressed as a human, <laughs> which usually you're just trying to bust out of your box, Tom. Yeah, I know. I was like, can't box me in. No, you know, <laughs> as I was getting towards the end, and I'm like, okay, there's time for one, ape, just an ape to show up at some point, and I was like. Nah. Now, oh. if you if you go and you know, the, there's a kind of a Justice League lead-in to Seven Soldiers that was called. Uh, there's in the first three issues of Justice League Classified. Oh yeah. Morrison wrote it and Ed McGinnis drew it, but uh, Gorilla Grodd is yes. in that. So yeah, I have read that. Yeah. And... We we found our connection. <laughs> we found. Yeah, thank you, thank you for just six degrees of Simeon connection. Uh, uh, the the totally streak justified. is alive. Yeah, totally justify what I did. <laughs> oh, and one last thing. Um, Ryan Suk, for people that read X Factor, he was doing the art for that. He does Ooh. the Zatanna issues, and he does a fantastic. Oh uh, yeah, and there's JH Williams. JH the Williams, third. he's awesome. And, he's and Simon Bianchi. Difficult name to pronounce. Bianchi, Bianchi. just like the serial killer. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <Jeez>. Sorry. <laughs> okay. That's weird. <laughs> what? And Dahmer and Mark Dahmer and John Gacy. No, no I'm done. Okay. Continue. Someone else. Um. Uh, my book this week is one that is, it's getting a, just an amazing amount of play from people, so I almost feel like I'm a little bandwagon jumper here with it, but uh, uh, my book this week is Mouse Guard, and uh, I've got the, the second one here. It, it is just a fun, cute, amazing little book. It's a square format. It is written and drawn by David Peterson. It is uh, put out by ASP. That's a um, Arceus Studios Press. Uh, retails for three fifty, so it's a little bit more than your than your standard comic. But it is is just a wonderful little book. It's just maybe a hair too adult to to read to a kid, but it is it is so much like what children's books should be. But there's still like this really neat underlying, you know, adult feel to it. Uh, first of all, Peterson's art. Whenever you open this thing up, you feel like you're reading a, a classic, a, children's a classic book. children's book, and it is it's it's beautifully drawn. It's beautifully colored. Um, it's 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 about mice that are basically little. So they're like they're like espionage mice, little special ops mice. Night. And, 
in you know, but it's still it feels very very aged. So it's it feels very very old. But um, the the one line whenever you you open up the second issue is uh, send any mouse to do the job. It may or may not be done. Ask the Ask the guard to do the task. Even death cannot prevent it from completion, and uh, it's great. It's it's just these these mice who are a part of this you know special guard for the for the crown or whatever, and uh, they're trying to track down a traitor. And there's another one that's you know off trying to find out information and gets into this huge battle with these crabs. And it's uh, Mouse Guard is is a very unique very fun uh, very old feeling read it, it's one that whenever you put it down you can't help but smile and feel like you just read something that was very good and very fun so anyway uh, Mouse Guard check it out uh, I really enjoyed it and I think it's uh, has a chance of being something that a few years ago or a few years from now people are still talking about so, uh, who, uh, Miss, who publishes that? Uh, it's um, I said ASP but it's Archaea, it's A R C H A I A uh, Studios Press. Archaea. I, I, I think it's self-published. So I think that's his his studio. Oh, that's that's okay. It's I a, think I, I'm not positive on that, but I. We're gonna need a pronunciation key for this episode. No doubt. A... Um, it says you know it's pr- printed in Hong Kong. There is uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, if you go to ASPcomics.com, you can get some information on it. And this is one that just caught some buzz through a lot of the you know people kind of got gotten the know on it. it it kept getting buzz from you know this website and that website and i know a lot of podcasts have been talking about it and you can't find the first issue and i think it, it's either on its second or third printing now so um nope there's our first cell phone of the episode uh, wow, awesome <laughs> uh it is it is a wonderful book so uh yeah man i would uh I have a feeling that you probably read just about anything. It's uh, uh, did, um, uh what Nim, Nim? What the the secret? Secret of Nim? Of Nim? If you like it's Secret just... of Nim, this is right up your alley. Oh, I'll check it out. Yeah, very fun. Uh, so, Mr. Fraction, what is your top of the stack this week? Uh, the best. Uh, uh, um, are you reading the Winter Men? Uh, by oh, Ben yeah. Lewis and John Paulion. Oh yeah, good mm-hmm. stuff. Holy Christ, is this book amazing? <laughs> The fourth issue just came out, and nobody is reading it, and nobody is talking about it. Um, or rather, the people that read it completely love it. Um, so I, I want to do everything I can to anybody hearing the sound of my voice, um, go to your store right now and demand a copy of it. It's it's uh, It was a book that Warren Ellis uh, uh, turned me on to, and it is um, so well written. The, the language is it's the closest thing to Deadwood that I've encountered in a comic book. Um, it's such a joy, a physical joy to read, um, and it's just completely captivating. And it's a it's a Wildstorm book that Brett Lewis is writing, and John Paulion is a, a drawing, um, and it's it's completely amazing. It's about um, Soviet superheroes after the uh, after Glasnost. Um, and then the, the other thing I've been reading are a bunch of uh, uh, manga scansations that I stole off the internet called uh, Pluto. It <laughs> is. Um, Done by uh, Naoki Urasawa, who's the guy that did Monster, uh, that Viz is printing now, uh-huh. uh, which is phenomenal. But uh, Pluto is him actually doing like an ultimate Astro Boy story, sort of. He's taking a famous uh, Astro Boy story and kind of telling it in a very modern way, uh, and it's incredible. Cool. I just got my copy of Monster back from Sal, so 
It's uh, after I finish reading Black Hole and the eight and a half foot pile of to read comics. It's 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 right in there. So yeah, this is uh, what he followed Monster up with. Okay, how many volumes of Monster ended up getting? Published? I think it's like eighteen are going to be all together. I think oh, only like Lord. two or three are out already. I'm waiting for the omnibus. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's eighteen all in all. But uh, go read uh, Winterman if you're not. Go yeah. demand it because there's no guarantee it's coming to trade. It's not doing so well enough that Wildstorm would necessarily think it's worth their while. So go support awesome. the issues that are out there. Awesome. I'll, I'll back you up on Winterman. That is, it's a it's a beautiful book and very well written. It's just one that you know we're Mouse Guard. We talked about you know <laughs> got some buzz. No, you're right. No one talks about the Winterman, and it's one that I forget to talk about. Yeah. I yeah. I have all the issues, and I haven't. I've, I've read the first one, and I, I got about three quarters away done with it. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to read this yet. I'm just going to grab them all mm-hmm. and read it once I have them all because it, it's it is great. I mean, what I what I got from it was just amazing. But it seems like it's something that I want to read. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't. Uh, I mean, it, it's uh, there's like heavy lifting involved. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not going to do the work for you. Um, but God, it's so rewarding. Well, I mean, it's just a shame that like a brilliant book like this isn't getting more attention. Well, hopefully, you know that that's a, a ways lead on to ways, and you know, hopefully, the the, the guys that are involved in that that leads on to something because you know, it's Axel Alonso didn't pull your name out of a hat, and you know, hopefully, this is you know a situation where those guys really you know, well, they might have. Well, yeah. I <laughs> I've often wondered, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, guys, I think that will do it for uh, for top of the stack. Um, we're gonna move on to uh, some announcements here, and let me see here, uh, Mr. Salazar. Do we have what? any? Huh? What? <laughs> oh. Um. Uh, uh. Website. Anything? Anything going on? Uh, it, it's... No. Um. They, there's. Uh, I haven't put up any new Easter eggs on the website recently. Um, I'm trying to think. We had a, a we have we are working on a mobilization thing where you can get like your <clears throat> around comics podcast on your phone or your BlackBerry device, but something screwy with the feed on that. But that should be fixed soon. Um, Gadget freaks. Yeah, the forum is going strong. Come to our forum and you know post away. Oh, I would like to. Yeah, some of the forum members I'd like to thank this week are. Uh, uh, Papercut, uh, B. Bowles, uh, D. Drace, uh, Darth Kramer is always. I mean, these guys are you know posting so much that I, I keep telling them it's like you guys are writing like these little novellas on stuff. Just write articles and submit them to the site, especially Papercut. I'm calling you out, pal, because some of his posts this week have just been you know I'm gonna yeah, have I've, to. I've, I've told him already. It's like he'll write these these paragraphs of posts, of thread posts, and like, you know, with a little work, this could easily be a, an essay on the subject you're talking about. You, they're extremely well thought out and well written. It's just, you know, he's doing it at, you know, sort of first person, just, uh, yeah. it's just, just kind of rework them a little bit and come on, let's do some. But yeah, absolutely. The, the forum seems to be going pretty strong. Um, we're getting more and more listeners. The uh, the MySpace thing is working out for us. Uh you know, nothing, nothing yeah. radical this week. Uh, May contest. Uh, this episode comes out on Monday. Uh, you have till Wednesday. I think we're going to close off entries for topic suggestions. Once again, just send in a topic. You can either email it at info@aroundcomics.com or post it on the forum. Uh, the winning topic, which I think we're going to end up pulling out of a hat because we have so many of them, is going to get uh, your choice of any in print 
trade paperback, twenty four ninety five or less, and we'll send that to you. So you have till Wednesday to get those in. And we've had some amazing uh, entries so far. Um, Around Comics and Dark Tower are pleased to announce that Michael Avery and Joe Bucco, the creators of Werewolves Call of the Wild, will be in store and in studio on Friday, June 30th for a book signing and guest appearance on the show. Check out their book at cotwcomic.com and listen to Around Comics for more information on the appearance as it draws closer. Uh, we're now offering occasionally midweek shows. Uh, they're available for download on Thursdays, I think. So yeah, I think we're gonna put them out on Thursdays. Uh, so look look for those on Thursdays. They are shorter versions of the regular Around Comics show without Wired Wire comic news and top of the stack segments. I think uh, Tom has a prior engagement tonight, and Sal is nearing his deathbed in sickness. You've been very good to not cough all over the mic he's and bleeding. Yeah, he's actually he's so doped up on Nyquil. That's why he didn't ramble a whole lot tonight. So I think we're going to skip the midweek episode this week. So it's like uh, Elvis towards the end. Yeah. Um, that's really all the announcements I have. Uh, Tom, thanks for for coming by as usual. I have nothing to do on Friday nights. So <laughs> you've you've beat out drinking by myself. <laughs> Sal, I want you to get feeling better. That's how we get all our guests. (laughs) (laughs) And Matt Fraction. uh, Man, any time you ever want to come back on the show, you are more than welcome. We've had a blast with you tonight. Uh, It it would uh, be a joy to come back. Thank you. And thank you so much for uh, supporting Casanova. Um, You guys are really sort of uh, not quite the first review, but uh, uh, but very, very close. And um, uh, thank you very much. It means a lot to me. Uh, you're, you're absolutely welcome. Uh, welcome. We're very, uh, very happy to do that yeah. for a book that, you know, may not get the same kind of mainstream press, uh, but sh- people should absolutely yeah. pick up. I, I'd hate to see, you know, people miss out on that book. But if well, you write you. A, and anything I can do for you guys, let me know. Well, if you write a bad issue, we'll turn on you <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, you know, we'll just, so <laughs> quick, it's unbelievable. It will be unbelievable. The fall well, is when, fast, when my you, friend. Uh, when you get to like the halfway point of number five. Uh, if it seems bad, it's because, because that's what I'm doing immediately after <laughs> it's right just now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you, what, I think uh, Casanova sits down and has a piece of pie <laughs> and just thinks for like nine pages. It's awesome. Is this pie from this world or another world? Hey, if we kn- if if a gorilla shows up in that issue somewhere, we know. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, we hey, know Tom, where... can I can I send you a copy of Mantooth to Dark Tower? Yeah, sure. I would All love right, it. Totally actually, will. yeah. Send it to him. I'll sell it. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't I'll sell, sell don't sell it to Dark Tower. Those those boys will just turn around and sell it right out from under him. No, no, sell it to Tom. I don't care. As long as Tom it to me. At a reasonable rate. Well, Matt, we uh, we loved having you on the show. I Guys, again, thank you so much for having me. Oh, be- best of luck, everyone out there. If you don't pick up Casanova, you're a damn fool. And, and we yes, will, we will hunt you down. And I am telling you what to buy. That, that's our that's our new mantra on the show. Not is, only buy it, but read it. Yeah, twice, three times. Bite three I, times and read it once. I, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I, th- I'm not threatening or cajoling anybody. That's what I mean. <laughs> well, we are. Thank right. you for listening to Around Comics. Have a fantastic week and join us again as we reshuffle the roundtable for a whole new episode next Monday of Comic News, Reviews, and Opinions. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in and around comics. Hail Satan. <laughs>
If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com, or visit the Contact Us section of our website. For that, and the latest in comics news and opinions, go to www.aroundcomics.com. Music for this show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week, where the panel will change, but our mission stays the same, bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics. <laughs>